That was Miles Turner. His contract extension with the Pacers, two years, $60 million bucks, an extra $17 million this year. You heard him on the air yesterday with John. That was some good stuff. This is the Fan Midday Show from the DriveHubler.com studio. Uh, Scott, I think we need a hello, boys, I'm back from Independence Day for you from Randy Quaid. <laughs> hello, boys, <laughs> I'm back. Brendan King, Scott Long, Jimmy Cook, glad to have you with us. You know Scott, what I love? Uh, what do you think about being back in after yesterday? Are you Were you uh, happy with your performance? Uh, first, let me say, Brendan, a lot of people in this job just use like the actual clip from the movie you do it yourself you are like the producer's best friend you just Always. make it happen i love that okay first day people some of you uh good reviews and bad reviews from yesterday i read them all a lot of uh celebrities and i'm kind of a minor league celebrity like i'm a <laughs> i'm a triple a uh sensation as a stand-up comedian all the smaller cities i'm big but not bigger ones. That's kind of my career. I'm uh, one of those guys like Ken Phelps. If you look back in the uh, times of like he could hit 50 home runs in Denver, but just couldn't make it happen in the major leagues. I'm trying. I appreciate the baseball analogy. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So how did I feel I did? I was a little too hot. I was running a little too hot. My engine, a little too firing all the time. Take a breath, Scott. Calm down. Don't just think everything has to be at one register. So that's where I'm at. Um, I'm like Nirvana. You know, you'd go slow, and then you'd go really hard, and then you'd go slow and really hard. Do you guys even know any music that's not hip-hop? I mean, I, I'm working with 20-year-olds here. I just quoted Independence Day. I feel like that was... Yeah, but about music. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was a... I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to go older than you here. I mean, my dad was born in the 30s so i have a lot of sinatra a lot of rat pack a lot of ray charles a lot of wow jimmy cook i'm also a big sinatra guy uh, i was a, my dad's a huge aerosmith fan okay my grandma my dad. yeah you, you, grandma you, loved the rolling stones so. my grandma we have to reach into my grandma no i'm just saying like i spent a lot of time at my grandparents house so that's that's where the gsm thing yesterday came from yes. that's where and that's where the music thing comes from okay now. i uh i I stand corrected. I'm glad that these guys are connected with me. I have 14-year-olds, so I know all about Drake, and I hate it all. Don't like anything about... You know what I like? Drake Bulldogs. I like some Missouri Valley basketball, uh, but I don't care at all for Drake. Now, back to the Pacers. That's what I do. I'm sorry. I have a short attention span. You yes, gotta... you have a state-of-the-city announcement, I is do. what you said. Okay. Please so, go ahead. Great first off to hear... Miles Turner nails all the things you want to hear. I'd like to see him nail all the things you want to see, but let's start with at least he's nailing all the things you want to hear. If you're going to give a guy way too much money, at least it's nice to hear that he seems like a good dude and uh, you don't feel so badly. You know, it's like if you run across and you give money to somebody and then they're like a jerk to you afterwards, you're like, I'd feel like that was a bad transaction right from the beginning. So we're off to a good start on the transaction. I'll be watching. we got a couple years involved. State of the city, Indianapolis. Are you running for mayor? No. 
Well, you're giving a state of the city address. I maybe should, considering all the potholes that I just ran across. But <laughs> I, I don't always blame the mayor on the potholes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't blame the mayor for all the potholes. I, d- I don't think he's should be wearing a hard hat, running around just in a in a vehicle looking for potholes. Okay. But take care of them. That'd be nice. State of the city. The Pacers and the Colts between the two franchise over really the last 30 years have been in the playoffs every year except the last two the last two years are the only two years when you go through where either the Pacers or the Colts would have been in the playoffs Pacers are not going to make the playoffs this year even though you know there seems like almost everybody makes the playoffs in the NBA it's easier to make it in the NFL you don't think the Pacers are making the playoffs no I forget about it just to to where are they clarify the answer they're 11th 10 makes the play in do you think they're gonna make the play in no okay no I look game out yeah okay uh four games out of the six seed which would Take them yeah, out of the play in and put they're not going to make the play-in. And guess what? Shouldn't try to make the play-in. Is that, are we a play-in city now? Is that where we're at? Yeah, it, I think Indi- like the NFL Combine, the play-in should just be played in Indianapolis. Bring it over. Or, and the Pacers or, should always be in the play-in. Or send it to Dayton. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. It's the first four. You know, but if you're IU and you haven't been into the uh, uh, March Madness in a while, you want to play in the play-in because you're only one step away from the next. It's one game. I know this is one game, the plan. No, we're not Orlando. We're not a play-in city, okay? So Pacers had four years where they didn't make the playoffs, 2006 to 2010. And then, of course, the last two years. But the Pacers have been very consistent. Oh, my gosh. 11 straight years. The Colts made the playoffs. Get it back into the Wayback Machine. I have 14-year-olds. They don't think of the Colts as being good. They don't. They've experienced basically since 2015. Yeah, so your kids were born in 2009. Yes, 2008. Eight, okay. Yeah. So Andrew Luck was drafted in 2012. Right. They had happiness for a minute. Since 2015, the Colts have been in the playoffs twice. No division titles. Now, before that, 14 of 15 seasons, 11 straight years, the Colts were in the playoffs. We've been, we were very spoiled, and now we're not. So, do you think this head coaching hire means a lot? Oh, yeah, it does. Is there any choices that really seem to be jumping out at anybody? No. That's why, to me, like Jim Harbaugh was the one person that could have totally turned everything around with the community which we got to get sold on something because we've had disasters we had the disaster with you know chuck great guy pagano making mistake after mistake had a talented roster at places frank reich who just got a job yesterday telling uh wait till i read this he's gonna tell everybody with his new job he was telling the uh, fan base he knows what it takes to be a great quarterback now jim frank oh for yeah yeah jim does yeah jim yeah jim made jim took colin kaepernick to the super bowl he did yeah frank uh we took all his choices 
Okay. <laughs> you can blame Ballard all you want. And I do blame Ballard because a guard should never make $20 million. A guard should never be the fifth pick in the NFL draft. Look at all the top teams. Did you see great offensive lines? The Eagles have great, uh, the best offensive line in football. It's because they have two great tackles and a great center. It's not their guard that wins the game. When you see a lot of sacks, when the quarterback gets blindsided, I heard there was a book called Blindside. You ever see that? Movie? The Blindside? Yeah. That's also a movie. Yeah, the movie's not the same. Michael Lewis wrote the book. They, they just focused on the relationship and Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock was not in the book. I don't know if you know that. Not in the book. Well, that's what happens in movies. You should know, know that as a movie star. I. <laughs> yes, I'm very big in Toledo. So, <laughs> Is this still me... your state of the city? Yes, address? it is. Okay. okay. I'm just making sure. You kind of lost me at 12.07, so I just want to make sure we're- Oh, we've been on three minutes, so you've only been lost. All right. So yeah. what I would tell you is, this is big. The Pacers need to lose because they need another player. Miles Turner is not the second option on a really good team. Maybe the third. He's getting paid like the second option. Colts got. I mean, the Pacers got to do what they do. I'm more focused on the Colts. That's my focus. I mean, I know it's right in the middle of the season. Jimmy just said, "Hey, we could be in the play-in." I don't want to be in the play-in. <laughs> Tone is very key with that, by the way. The way you presented that makes it <laughs> yeah. seem like I was like, "Yes, the play-in." <laughs> okay, I was just pointing out the fact okay. that I get there. Jimmy, you state the play-in the way that you actually were properly quoted. Go ahead said they're a game out of the play-in. Does that count as the playoffs to you? Because a lot of people say, no, it's not. It's a separate thing. The NBA's kind of made that clear. It is the play-in tournament, and then the playoffs start. So I was trying to clarify your yeah. statement. Are you saying no playoffs, meaning they're not one through eight, or are you saying they're not even going to get in the play-in? That was my question. I'm well, not they're saying, not... yes, please get in the play-in. Right, right, okay. Um, <laughs> it's gotten so complicated, especially in the NBA, right? Sure. Because you're like, is it worth being in the play-in to then lose, let's say you even win, you can win the play-in. That's yep. just one game, okay? You're not playing anybody good in the play-in, right? I mean, depend. It, the two spots are up for grabs, right? Seven and eight are there, so it depends. Okay, let, let's do this. Nine, ten, eleven. Yes. Look at those, and even twelve. Who are those four teams in, right now? In the East. Yeah, in the East. The Wizards, the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Raptors. Okay, easily the worst team of those four is the Pacers. I think easily. The Bulls kind of stink. 100% healthy, easily. Mm. I don't... I, the, you know, Bulls the Bulls stink. The Bulls stink, but they have a roster. They have a lot of players. They actually look well, really good. Well, the Pacers have year. a budding superstar, though. Like, if Halliburton's healthy, mm. the, the Pacers... Again, I, I think they're still in play-in territory, but they're closer to the 7-8 line of play-in territory than the bottom of the barrel like the Wizards and the Bulls. Okay. But they're better than Atlanta with Halliburton healthy. Well, listen, yeah, th this is why the play-in exists. The play-in doesn't exist because the NBA cares about, oh, let's give the Bulls or the Pacers a shot, right? No, the play-in exists for them to just make more financial oh, of benefits. Course, of course, no, yes. They, they yes. want to run They want to run the Burger King commercial 72 times. They want to make money from that. That's why the play-in exists. But the other flip side to it, though, and again, it, you could argue if it's done a good job or not, is that it changes the dynamic not only of tanking, but it changes the dynamic of what teams are willing to be buyers and sellers at the deadline because you, in theory, still That's have fair. a path longer into the season to make the postseason, which I'm including as the play-in and the playoffs. Okay. You, you didn't change my mind. 
Well, no, I, to be clear, I opened the season thinking they were going to miss their win total. I've said that right. before. And I was What's excited about that. As lo- yeah, it was exciting. As long as they were still going to grow and be fun and more fun than they were last year. And they did that for about the first month of the season. And it's like, oh, they're still doing this. Oh, wow, they're still winning. Yes. And then Halliburton's been out. And it's like, okay, maybe they really are still a player away. Is the play in the playoffs really what you want to see as a Pacers fan? And I see both sides. Some Pacers fans are really hungry and want to see meaningful basketball played in the city again. I'd love to see that. But also, you're getting bounced in the first round anyway. You just are. Like right now, as the team stands, if you're in a, let's say, to get out of the play-in and it's the Celtics and the Pacers. Oh, you're getting... How's that going? You're getting blasted. But I do think in a way, this might sound a little crazy, that might benefit this team. If they get to the playoffs and get pounded. Young core. Lo- just yeah, to sure. get a little taste. Sure. sure. Do, do you remember in the last dance when it was early, Jordan, I think it was 85, 86, and they got, they actually went to, in the last dance, they went to go play the Celtics and Larry and got trounced. Sure. Just beaten to death. Yeah, like Jordan was scoring like 60 points yeah. a game, but he had no, you know, he was looking at Quentin Daly and Bill Cartwright and guys yes. that really couldn't play. His future coach, Bill Cartwright, by the way. But that might in a, that might benefit this team. If they go to the playoffs and just get pounded, mm. give Halliburton I mean, a little taste. That's the other it, side of the coin, right? Get your playoff I'm not saying it works. It. Yeah, sure. But by, that, by any it. means. Sure. Not saying it works by any means, but give Halliburton a little something. Sprinkle a little something for Buddy Heald. Show them what it can be. And then next year, who knows what next year features. I don't like that. If this was a team that was three years without being in the playoffs and they'd all been together and they're finally starting to rise together, this is the this is a brand new season, basically, for this team. When you made that trade end of last year, you are looking at a totally different team this year. And... There was freshness, as Jimmy mentioned. It was exciting to watch the Pacers the first month or two because you had no expectations, and all of a sudden, boom, you got great, great effort, and you were beating teams that you were far in uh, inferior to. I don't see a big benefit from going in the play-in or even playing the eighth seed with this team. I just don't, because I think half the team will be gone within two years. That's fine, but I think it's also worth remembering that this team has three first-round picks. So even yes. if you make the playoffs, let's if you get out of the play-in, that's pretty remarkable to me. Right. But if you even if you compete in the play-in, that might sacrifice where that first pick is. But remember, you got three of those to play with. So, yeah, and but not the- not everybody has that benefit here. Where J- Jimmy? Uh, where are the other two picks? Can you can you find where those are at? Because you know, as as Pacer fans, have you ever? Do you recall going into a draft ever where you were like, "We're gonna get like a game changer player"? This past year, yeah, that was yeah, it. This past year, right? Before that, they were always picking tenth to twentieth, and fans would be like, "T.J. Leaf," right? Right? You know. <laughs> Uh, it would be some lame dude from Duke, you know, one of the brothers from like 17 or 18. What were the, all those brothers that... Plumleys. The Plumleys. Yeah, you'd get a Plumley, you get a TJ Leaf, you could take a Brunson, but instead you take uh, the least talented holiday brother. You know, <laughs> it's it, that's what the Pacers would do. Every once in a while, 
You get Paul George. You get Danny Granger. That was great. But I'm excited about the Pacers having a chance at seven, at six, because those are chances to hit. Matherin, chance to hit. Hit it. Get another Matherin, because he's the second most important player on the team. Definitely for the future. You get another Matherin, all of a sudden, maybe you're building a team like Memphis, where you're kind of under the radar, but you've got a lot of high-quality players. Then you have the veterans like Miles Turner are healed around it, and I think you got a chance of winning the first round. That's my goal. I think they're one piece away. I'm just concerned you play in the play-in game, you're 12th or 13th or 14th. There's a big difference in the NBA. NFL, not as big a difference. I think 6 to 12, really not a big difference. It's just sometimes luck on who you're going to pick. It's not like the first three picks. So that's where my head, I've looked at the draft. I think this draft is one of those eight-player drafts. It's not bad, kind of average overall. There's one guy that stands above all, you know. Is he going to be the next Giannis? Maybe. I, I They're not going to get that. We, we don't win coin flips in this city. This is not a city that wins the coin flip. Last time we won a coin flip, we got Rick Smith's once place got Patrick Ewing. That's what happens in Indianapolis. We're not going to win a coin flip or, yeah. a, or a ball. The answer to your question regarding the picks. So the Pacers, again, I, if the season ended today, they're in eighth slot in the pick standings. Obviously, they to pull out the ping pong balls and everything, right? right? Uh, 6% chance at that being a number one pick. 26% chance at it being a top four. Right. The other two picks, the Cavaliers pick is a top 14 protected pick, which means if the Cavaliers are in that range, it does not convey. They're not in that range right now, so it would be a Pacers pick. It would be a first-rounder outside of the top 14. The Celtics pick is a top 12 protected pick. The Celtics obviously are not inside the top 12, so that would convey if, barring a historic collapse by Boston. Here's why that's okay, though, because the track record on Pritchard wasn't good for a while on drafting because I I think TJ Leaf is now in China. Correct me if I'm wrong. 24th and 30th in the standings overall outside of the lottery would be those two. Right. Pritchard, Pritchard's number one complaint around here per people was his ability to draft well. Well, you flip that around with yep. the Matherin pick, obviously, but the Nemhard pick, I mean, Rick Carlisle definitely is trying to soak that up as much as possible with saying like, oh, he'd be a top 10 pick. Who knows? No. He should be a top 10 pick. No. But still, where you got Nemhard, yeah. that should give people around here hope at least that the decisions with those future picks can be made well because- they had Nemhard scouted beautifully. You and I talked and about it in been a great compliment. That it, yeah. it totally flips that narrative on Kevin Pritchard and, and allows you, to Scott's point, to have kind of trust and, and look forward to what the Pacers could either do with those picks if they keep all of them, which I don't think they will, but then what they could do if they move up and advance in the draft with the draft capital they have, which would be three first-rounders again if it ended today. And maybe they finally win a coin flip. But again, to Scott's point, it just doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen here. That's why I'm just, I'm excited about. Make it happen. As the new pick. mayor of Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave the state of the city. You know, I can complain. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I think we've realized that. In I, two think, days. I think radio is about a lot of people complaining. It is. Okay. That's what social media is, even. I don't usually complain about the mayor too much wherever the mayor is because i not only would not do a better job 
uh, I don't even have an interest in it. I don't. Like, I think about- That's not one of the jobs you're applying for. I did not yesterday. I just found out. Uh, I did not get a second interview for the Colts. I'm sorry. That was disappointing. Uh, Olivia. <laughs> what about went, Olivia? I was going to say. I went. I flew to. Uh, if you didn't hear yesterday, I applied for three jobs. Uh, I've Colts coach yesterday morning came over here afternoon mid midday. Are we calling this midday show? Yeah, midday show, and oof, flew to Hollywood. To be Olivia Wilde's boy toy, she uh, left Jason Sudeikis for Harry Styles. Thought uh, maybe I could kind of sweep in, you know, just be that, you know, person for. Didn't happen. Did not work well. Uh, we didn't have chemistry. I walked out on it. It's impressive. Yeah, we were in Malibu. It was like a seafood restaurant. Beautiful weather was nice. Uh, I think she's a little surprised. I did not use my actual profile photo. That was maybe something I should have considered. Um, <laughs> did you tell her you were on the Fan Midday Show? I know how much of a. How do you think I even got that the date? That's a selling point. Yeah. How do you think I even got? I'll get the you date. in the door. That's, that's, that's all <laughs> it does for you. Get yeah, you she's a. Is, uh, I think she's British. Olivia Wilde. British. Yeah, British. Uh, big fan of American sports. You can you can imagine. Uh, that's why she dated Harry Styles. Guys like that, and I felt like I'm perfect for that. I am kind of like a, a Timberlake of my generation. Did not work out well. So here I am back. I'm really excited. Yeah, you're back. Here's a question for you. Go ahead. So Chris Hagan's about to come on at 1230, mm. and I know you mentioned yesterday that you and Hagan go back, and he at one point did stand-up comedy. Is that true? He did. So, what is the environment of the studio about to be when you talk with Chris Hagen? Well, it would probably be serious, you know, kind of a meet the press kind of thing. We'll kind of because break. Chris H- Jimmy worked with Hagen. Hagen did one show and never came back, right? One show and never came back. That, that is accurate, but he, I mean, he's filled in in the building before. I understand that, but, but on cycle, this show, yes, he sure. did one show and never came back. He just didn't like us, I guess. I guess not. I will say that I I, I I booked it, so that <laughs> has something to do with that. Um, do you want to give everybody a little rundown? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so here we are at the drivehubler.com studio. He's getting it, Jimmy. Look at this guy. Yeah. No, if you get the hotline right, I'll be really impressed the first time. We'll do that next. Yeah. We're not at the hotline yet. No, we're not. Well, you thought we were yesterday with Rake, and then. That was a great moment. <laughs> that, that was. That was Hall of Fame radio, to be honest. If with you. you like smooth radio, you know, listen to the Jazz Channel or whatever. You know, <laughs> turn it to standards on uh, the satellite and listen to Jimmy's uh, Frank Sinatra's Ooh. and his uh, Dean Martin's. I, I'm going to read down today on 107.5 The Fan. Chris Hagen at 12:30 Fox 59 at one o'clock. Bob Kravitz of the Athletic. 1.30, Sean Morris of the Big Ten Network. And at 2, Mike Chappelle, I guess uh, Dave Chappelle's brother. Is that correct? I did. Am I reading that wrong? Maybe. Some would say. Who is Mike Chappelle? I don't, I don't know. You actually don't know who Chappie is? Oh, Chappie is on! The Dean. Yeah. Oh, wait, are you serious? I'm super stoked. Colts <laughs> <So wait>. insider, <laughs> Chappie. I, I saw Mike Chappelle, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, is this like, because like, to- uh, Chris Rock's brother, Tony Rock, does stand up. I didn't know if Dave Chappelle had a brother named Mike and we were going to have him on. I'm equally excited. I would have loved to have talked to Dave Chappelle's brother. 
but Chappie, Indianapolis's Colts insider, who the dean of everything Colts, he knows the history. He got there at the beginning. Since day one, baby. He saw the, whew. so he's been where we're at now. Yeah. He's the one reporter in this city who's been, Kravitz came in 1999 or something. Hagen came around then too, Peyton Manning. It was a package deal, actually, Peyton and Hagen. Well, yeah, they kind of sound sound you know what I'm similar. Saying? Uh, that's Scott Long. I'm Brendan King. Jimmy Cook is here. Again, coming up next. Don't know what the next 15 minutes are about to be like. You're going to find out with us because Chris Hagen will join us after this. Scott Long back at 107.5 The Fan. Wow. That was a... Do you ever... Do you like actually guys know the singers of any of the bumper music that was playing well jimmy's playing it some of it yeah i've learned it over the years right some of it is is just i've i've listened through the songs we have in the database and if i like it or i think it's a nice rejoiner i'll add it sometimes i pick from my own library my dad's favorite song growing up is one of my favorite songs from the 70s okay you ever hear moonlight feels right by starbuck great song great song moonlight Feels right. Feels right. So good. And then the... I'm saying that. Uh, we is, just connected on a personal that, level. Is that a xylophone? It's a, no, it's, it's a... a uh, Tim Pan- no, it's the other thing. It's the other thing. I will research that as you welcome in Hagen. How about you don't, that? You don't hear a lot of Drake with those uh, xylophone little Listen, uh, keys. I, okay. Drake opened his concert in New York the other day with Over My Dead Body, which is the first song on Take Care. Sure. And it made me cry. Mm. So... Thank goodness we have an actual guest that I can relate to on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, mowershop.com for everything you need, mowers and power tools. Chris Hagen, Fox 59. What say you, Chris Hagen, on a beautiful January day? You say you came to Baltimore from Ole Miss. I love it, Hagen. Seven four gold ring. Uh, he references Ole Miss, and Starbuck is in fact from Mississippi. So oh, we are in the power zone as it's a hitter. A, it's a marimba, by the way. It is a marimba. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Hagen, uh, Mississippi. Do you know where they are from? No. Okay. I do not. Okay. Next what am I, question. What am I, biographer. Um, I thought you were Wikipedia of Mississippi. I am, for the most part. Several Mississippians will be playing in the Super Bowl a week from Sunday, but that's Mm. a story for another day. Um, I want to lead with that. uh, A little upset with Scott Long, though. Mm. Yesterday, I'm listening like like a good friend, Mm. and you were so quick to point out that, by far, Mark Boyle was the funniest guy ever in the celebrity comedy show. He was. Mark Boyle, Boyle, just the great. Why don't you call Mark Boyle then and have him on the show right now? How about that, Scott? Uh, He'll be on soon. And uh, the next thing I want to say is people expect you to be funny. Okay? Mark Boyle came out and you're like, what? And then Mark Boyle reenacted what he really, truly wanted to say when the Pacers finally beat the Knicks. The ding dong, the witch is dead. He said what he really wanted to always say was more HBO version. The roof almost exploded off that place. So when you have the most famous call in the history of Indianapolis and you're the guy and you redo it. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about Brendan. 
he goes to the uh, South Bend Funny Bone and he does some of his greatest hits and then redoes them, re- redoes them, redid uh, them. There we go. Chris Hagan. I, I, I do that in the mirror every morning. I just reenact my favorite calls. Yes. I mean, who doesn't as a player? So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just agree that Boyle was one of the funnier yes. of the celebrity. One of the funniest, perhaps. And we'll settle right there. Yeah, if you yeah, don't. Man, uh, Chris, if you don't know, uh, the rest of these people a lot don't know, uh, I do a celebrity stand-up event uh, pretty much every year raising money for different groups. And I named off some of the uh, illustrious people that have been part of it, including Bob Kravitz will be on at 1 o'clock. And uh, Pat McAfee, first time he ever did stand-up, my thing. Hmm. So you just never know who was going to be in a peer. But Chris Hagen has been part of it more than anyone. I believe you've done it three times. Is that correct, Chris? I, uh, two or three. I have a traumatic brain injury, so I don't remember for sure. But I think I was really funny every time. You were always really funny every time. You're right. It just you know one peak. A, as a performer, you, you guys know we have very <laughs> we have very soft. You know uh, what's what I'm looking for. We're, we're, Your we're ego can be fragile. Yeah, yeah. We have no self esteem. We have soft egos. We need some type of help. So when yesterday, when you listed off 42 people that have done the show, <laughs> and you didn't mention me, and then you also mentioned Boyle as the funniest. I was mm. like, well, I just don't know if I, I. It made it a bad day. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I felt some tenseness here. Okay, so let's open it up. Chris Hagen, he's you see him on Fox 59. Love him. Always. Here's one thing you don't get really a chance to always uh, extend your uh, reach on. Do you have a Colts coaching favorite of the list of uh, 17 or 18 that have been interviewed so far? Like who I think is going to get it or who I want to get it? No, I want to hear who you want. Mm. Well, I think Jeff Saturday is still going to get it. That's just me. Okay. I was was hoping D'Amico would get it. Right. Just because – uh, young guy, defensive-minded, strong-minded. Uh, also, he uh, he is from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, where I actually. Oh, it's exhausting. Let's let's hear. He's the... from uh, he's from Bessemer. He's from Bessemer, Alabama, where Bo Jackson's from. By the way, it's like a Southern Rand McNally. That's what uh, Chris Hagen <laughs> can become at yeah. times. Let's find out uh, how many different cities you lived in growing up or towns. You don't have to name them off. Please don't. Uh, I'll spare you. I'll tell you this, though. Between kindergarten and graduating high school, I went to 13 schools in five states. I've had, I went to three colleges in three states, and I've worked at three different TV stations in three different states. And I have visited all 50 states. Hmm. Every one of them. What was the last one? 50 of them. What was the last one that you hit? The last one was, uh, believe it or not, Oklahoma, dead center of the country, and that was the one I hadn't been to. So made a made a 36-hour trip to Oklahoma right after the pandemic, and I crossed it off my list. Hmm. I performed in 46 states, so uh, that's one thing but as well. Five countries. 50, is it? No, that's it's not. not 50. It never will be. So Chris Hagen, yesterday, big uh, signing, Miles Turner. Where were your thoughts on? on that contract okay two parts to this Mm. one i like it i like the extension two i didn't understand all the fanfare and we went back to like fragile egos and whatnot was that done to placate him did 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 they need to feel did they need miles to feel like he was truly wanted 
because they had all the players out there. They made all the employees come out there. They had the music. It looked like you were bringing in a brand new free agent, and you want to say, hey, welcome to Indy. But this guy's been here, you know, since 2015. (laughs) What's the, hey, let's let's throw a party in the middle of the season. So I, I thought that was a bit much, but I do I do like the signing. He says he feels like he's playing his his best ball right now, getting into the prime of his career. I agree with him. I think he meshes well with this group of uh, talent around him right now. And it's all about when when the Pacers hit on a draft pick, a high draft pick. It's all about uh, how long can you keep him here? He's a first round pick. He's been on the trade block since almost since day one. But now you want to can you keep the Halliburtons and the uh, Matherins around here for years to come? And that's when. You know, you got Reggie Miller. You kept him his entire career, and good things happened. We have been discussing uh, first break about how is it worth being in the play-in? Is that a value? Uh, Brendan thinks some of the young guys could actually value that. That could actually serve them a benefit. Jimmy, 100% excited about (laughs) being in the play-in. Me, uh, grumpy old man, I guess, standing on a hill, waving my fist at the play-in game. I don't see any value. And, and by the way, two I'm, truths, one lie. There, Chris, you find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very succinct and ouch. Uh, so, good point. Where's your thoughts on that? I understand Fox Fifty Nine would probably prefer a year. The ratings go up a little bit in the Chris Hagen spot when you're showing a. A positive result with the Pacers, but what's best for the next couple years? Is it to make the play-in or to move up three or four slots in the playoff lottery? Well, for a long time, I would say this: it was like for two decades uh, after the Pacers went to the uh, uh, the finals in 2000, and then after you know the the malice at the Palace, which we don't want to talk about. They've never been really, really good, but they've never been really, really bad. So they were always drafting at best, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, which is, is hard to find like a, a really a big difference maker. I know they got Paul George at 10, but um, they were never, they never sucked enough and they were never good enough to get over the mountaintop and get back to the finals. So you're looking at two headed coin. The players are never going to go out there and say, you know what? It'd be great to get some better player next year to come, come in here and take my roster spot maybe. They're going to say, let's win every game. Let's do the best we can. I think the management, for the most part, would feel that way. But when it's all said and done, you're like, oh, well, look at this. Look at this uh, silver lining to the cloud here. Now we're picking sixth or picking fifth. And you you see what really not doing so well last year leads to. When you get a a, a high lottery pick like uh, Matherin, you see what a difference he can make. So I don't think there's any mentality of from the players in that mindset. But I think, you know, as fans, you saw this with the Colts. Uh, getting upset like, you know, let's not win any more of these games. Let's, let's go be competitive but not win. So at the end of the day, I think from my job and my perspective, I'd love to see them in a play-in game or in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, then you turn the page and you get excited if they do have a high draft pick. Chris Haggins with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. Hagan, I want to go back to something you said earlier about the Colts and you think Jeff Saturday is going to get the job is that from a sense of he's qualified for it or because Ursay just wants to prove everybody that Saturday can do it? Well, you know, when Saturday entered, interviewed officially, he does have NFL head coaching experience now. So you can take that <laughs> away as he goes in. Uh, I think, I think uh, Jim is big on relationships and he, he knows what kind of people he likes. 
he really liked Ryan Grigson, and that's why maybe Grigson was here longer than expected. And I, I know he really likes Jeff Saturday, and I, I know the fan base loves Jeff Saturday, but I think they love him as a former player and as a Ring of Honor member. And there's just so much that goes into being a head coach. But you look around, this isn't unprecedented in other sports. Look at how many players just in the NBA just roll right onto the sideline and now they're head coach. Look at, you know, Deion Sanders. I know that's a different level. Uh, but if you got a guy that can be a leader, and not just a leader of players, but a leader of a coaching staff, I think there is a way for that to be successful. And I know, speaking of old people like Scott Long, uh, Bill Cower, old head coaches, they, they get all you know chapped off about, this guy's a disgrace. He didn't go through the proper channels, blah, blah, blah. You can say all you want. But if you have a guy that can motivate not only players but coaches and has a vision, I think that can be a success. And granted, I covered Jeff Saturday his entire career here in Indianapolis, and he's been great to deal with. Um, So, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So you don't have to keep doing things the same way to have success. So I don't think hiring Saturday would be a, a death knell for the franchise. I guess I'm concerned about that. I would have, uh, I kind of bought that at the beginning when uh, Jim Ursay said, you know, this guy's a leader of men. He will take, uh, he'll change the, the, kind of the malaise that was uh, over the Colts at that point. I had no problem with that. I didn't see Frank Reich being the answer any longer. He had had the time. He had made a lot of mistakes in regards to who he wanted to have quarterbacking. But I just didn't really feel like I heard a lot of the players go, man, this Jeff Saturday, love him. He makes a difference in my life. He is a dynamite coach. I was doing a little research today. I'm watching – uh, clips with Raheem Morris, who is my favorite to be the coach. I think he's uh, spent 10 years in the desert of not being a head coach after getting hired at 32. I'm listening to Jalen Ramsey, possibly the best defensive back in the NFL, top five for probably almost a decade now. Jalen Ramsey likes no one. He is always lighting up everybody, including his own teammates. He said, that's my guy i've learned more from raheem morris than any other coach i've ever had that wasn't even during a like hey should he be a head coach that was just in a press conference that jalen ramsey did i wish we could play it but there's a lot of uh, other language involved in it (laughs) but uh that's uh, i just i've seen raheem morris uh, I've watched him in interviews. I think he got a bum deal, like I said, because he had no quarterbacks when he was there. The whole Tampa Bay structure was pretty messed up at that point, too. I just think he's the kind of guy that I am looking for. I'm looking for somebody who can connect with the players, but is a guy that's demanding, has a lot of personality. I haven't seen that from the coaches that the Colts have had maybe since Tony Dungy. Yeah, I always, want, I always wanted to see Reich come in there. And he doesn't cuss, but he could at least go in there and, you know, go nuts and throw stuff and go Jim Moore. He never did that. Right. You know, you never, you never saw – and it's all about, well, you can't throw anybody under the bus. You can't – act like you're at least as angry as the fans are. Act like you, you're holding people accountable. And it just, you know, that goes back to Frank's personality. I don't think this coaching job for the Colts – is like Cinderella. There's only one person the glass slipper is going to yeah. fall on. I think there's more than there's more than one coach that can come in here and be successful. And they have different ways. And back to the analogy for you, Scott, 
as a veteran comedian, I'm sure you've been places where you have all this experience and you've went on the road and paid your dues. And then you'll see some guy that's like 17 years old and gets on stage and like just, you know, kills. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. This guy hasn't done this, that, and this. How, how come he's so funny? And how come he – there's just – you know, there's different ways to get to success and to, to do a job without going the usual roadmap. And so I, I don't think you can judge Saturday by coming in midseason. They were obviously – they were having troubles. Uh, what's funny, though, is they beat the Chiefs, who are in the Super Bowl, and they almost beat the Eagles, who are in the Super Bowl. So that tells you that thin line between winning and losing – as far as, you know, on the field on any, any given game day. And by the way, I've changed it to any given game day since the NFL now. They'll play on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Thursday and whatever day of the week. So uh, we, we see that time again. And by the way, because my brain runs all over the place, I will be at the Super Bowl for eight days starting Sunday. And I am going to find out what was said to Matt Ryan to get that personal foul that allowed the Colts to beat the Chiefs. I, that is my mission don't you think uh, Jones will be more uh, more agreeable to say what he said now that he's in the Super Bowl and everybody's happy for the, for the Chiefs kingdom? I can't wait to hear that. Uh, let's do a little promo for Chris Hagan, Fox 59. Of course, you're on during all the newscasts. Even uh, don't you do uh, like even like the noon news? I mean, do you do everything now? What you you know what? This is a great time for me to plug this because starting on Monday, every day on fox59.com, I'll be doing a live one-hour webcast from Radio Row. And my co-host, you can't beat this, the son of sweetness, Walter Payton's son, Jared Payton, and I will host a live show from 11, I mean, excuse me, from 1 to 2 Indianapolis time. We've got all these guests lined up, but the one non-football guest we have lined up that I think you should tune in for, Scott, Dane Cook. How do you feel about that? Uh, I love that you're promoting something during our time slot. So uh, that's enough with no. Chris Hagan. Thank you very much for being uh, on. Hey, I will say uh, the name of my room in college at my fraternity house was the BK Lounge. Mm. Oh, nice. So nice. That, that became a but thing. By the way, if I can bring it full circle, do you know where uh, Chris Jones went to school? Yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, Chris Hagan went to Mississippi State, so he names off like half the defensive linemen in the NFL. Did go to Mississippi State. Somehow they never can really win more than eight or nine games, but they have the best defensive line in college football. That's enough. Uh, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox went there too. Yeah, I know. Lots Darius of people. Slay Jr. Yeah, really gay. Sweat. Right, let me ask you this. Though. Let me ask. Let me ask you this. <laughs> we, we we have a uh, hard break. J- Jimmy is getting okay. angry at at. Scott Jimmy, Long. close right, this out. Question. Close this out. I I have no. I, this guy's my friend, but hit that buzzer. Do you have that buzzer we used <laughs> our, <laughs> during Greg Greg's trial last yesterday? Thank you. All right, Chris Hagan will be on. Uh, I guess with some other guy uh, at a this time that I don't know. <laughs> Have I been? But have I been the funniest guest today? Could you just tell me that? Well, you're the first guest today. Dynamite, though. Winner, winner. Okay, bye. Black Betty Ram Jam always holds up. Ugliest guys you've ever seen play music. Sometime YouTube those straggly looking dudes. ACDC is pretty ugly. No, no, no. These guys way uglier. They make the Black Crows look like a boy band. That's how bad. So. Here we go. We got like a minute. I have got one thing. I'm very you actually cons- have like 40 seconds. 40 seconds. I'm very concerned about the Super Bowl 
I'll be happy with Fox. I used to work for them for 13 years. I did. I just can't have any more Gronk. Can we can we make a deal? No more Gronk. He wrecks everything. He's ridiculous. He offer, offers nothing. Brendan, who would like to work with Gronk, has wait, no interest wait, in that. Wait, I'm what, sorry. What? Yeah, he would be great in the uh, the booth doing uh, minor league baseball. Yeah. Oh, Gronk and minor league. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> he has a Super Bowl commercial, so just so you know. Yeah. Anyway, can you, can you toss it to break? No, I really can't. I, I really don't know how to do it, actually. You, I believe. No, Bob, go ahead. Say Bob Kravitz is next. Bob Kravitz is next, then Sean Morris, but Bob Kravitz at one. Listen. And you're listening to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yes. Back, drivehubler.com studio, Scott Long, Brendan King. Are you still here, Brendan? Some would say. Yes. Looking dynamite. He's got a big event tonight for yeah. the who? Well, South Bend Cubs, baby. Come on now. South Bend Cubs. Got to get ring number two. He's uh, got a very obnoxious, beautiful ring that he wears. And Sometimes. I'm, I'm truly afraid to wear this thing. How much does that weigh? Uh, it's a good question. It's a great paperweight. It's very heavy. He's got two of those over the last three years. Is that We've correct? won two in three years. So that should give Cub fans some excitement. That in Yeah. The- I mean, the next generation of great Cubs are on the way. That's for sure. And I'm excited to bring in a friend of mine, guest line brought to you again by the Mower Shop in Fishers. It's where Bob Kravitz and I always take our mowers. I just uh, threw you in that one, Bob, but I do. For all your snow blowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. A lot of hosts won't read all that, but I do because I believe in the Fishers and, of course, the Mower Shop. Bob Kravitz. Whew, that's a lot of words. You remember when you used to do this job, Bob? Oh my God. I don't know how I don't know how Indianapolis survived two two years of me and Eddie. <laughs> Eddie White, if you if you don't know, I was in this building actually. Uh, what was that show called again? Kravitz and Eddie? It was just Kravitz and Eddie for about ten minutes. It was called uh, No Experience Necessary. Or something like that. It was also the name of the Jeff Saturday story, uh, as a matter of fact. But, uh, yeah, it was no experience necessary for about 10 minutes, and then they went to Kravitz and Eddie. What, what, what is this Jeff Saturday story? What, I, I'm, am I missing something? No experience necessary. Oh, my gosh. The comedian doesn't get the joke. That's how it works sometimes. Can so, we get a buzzer for Scott? Yeah. Hit me with the buzzer. Bob, Bob hold on a second. Jimmy hates the buzzer. <laughs> we did that yesterday because Greg Greg, uh, Greg Greg Straw has about 15 jobs, and he was allowed a minute or two to talk about each one, and then we would hit him with the buzzer. Well, that, that's the, that's the uh, response that I got when I did stand-up quite often uh, <laughs> that, that particular night. It's kind of a... Kind of a weird silence, uneasy silence. That's not true, Bob. I know you're trying to be talking about. You're trying to be uh, uh, modest, but Bob killed that night. He walked up with a bottle of alcohol and a paper bag on stage to begin with. A lot of people came to see Bob. Of course, he pulls that out. And, of course, people thought he was going to drink from the bottle. He starts hyperventilating in the paper bag. It's a very yeah. funny visual. It was great. Bob Kravitz, there's stuff going on now in Indianapolis again. You uh, have basically spent your whole career 
all kinds of different stops. We don't have to go through them. You're at the athletic now. But the team, at least one team, was really always pretty good. Yeah. Until the last couple years, kind of. This coaching search, you've gone through a few of them before. Uh, where's your head on it right now? You know, I, I honestly think they're going to end up with Stike or Callahan. That's, that's not based on any inside information. So don't, if you have a, a blog, God bless you, but don't uh, say that Bob Kravitz said it's one of those two guys. I just, looking at the group, I mean, I like Raheem Morris. I like guys who've done it before. Um, I, I, I think second, you know, coaches, their second time around, figure it out. But uh, I think they're because they they're going to start a new with a with a new quarterback, uh, either Levis or Stroud. One would assume. Uh, I think they go for the young quarterback whisper. So I think looking at the guys who are coming back, I got to think it's either Steichen or Callahan. Okay, so. It, tell me your feelings about the two of those guys. Do you lean towards one of them? If you're both names are laid on on the table, their resumes, the way you think they're going to work. Do you have like a favorite between those two? No, not terribly. All I know is this. Uh, Peyton Manning is a big Callahan fan. Right. Uh, they, they worked together in uh, Denver when Peyton was there. Uh, he has worked with uh, Stafford. He has worked with Burrow, uh, both pretty good quarterbacks. So, you know, if I had to choose one or the other, I guess Callahan. But I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, to be honest with you. They're both, they're both, they both have really good resumes. Gravy, this is a question I've asked a number of people on this show, and Hagen thinks that Saturday is going to get the job. He just told us at 12.30. So – if that's even in the realm of happening, you you got to sell the fan base on that. So right. how do they do it if they hire Saturday? How is that possible to sell the fan base that Saturday not only comes in, but Ballard sticks around? Can't. I mean, you just can't. I, mean, I don't know. I have never seen an entire city turn on a one, a, a on a beloved former player like this. Um, you know, look, I, I I understand it. You know, if if in fact he's been, uh, uh, you know, talking with reporters, not me. I haven't gotten any calls or texts from him, but I don't think that that looks good. And I, I think, you know, his lack of experience, the way that they got embarrassed time and again those last uh, seven games, I I don't think you can sell it. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think that Jeff Saturday is going to be the guy. Again, blog, blog folks, I'm not saying I have inside information, but I'm just telling you that if I were the Colts, I would not, I would not see my way clear to hire Jeff Saturday. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up Callahan because that's been the name the last day or so that's kind of been released and Peyton Manning and, you know, and they're, they're – there's some back channels I feel like's going on here. Can I throw out that Peyton Manning, if Peyton Manning wants the job? No. Take, no, 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 no. I know no one's saying he does, and he doesn't, yeah. <laughs> but I'll take that. I'll take Peyton Manning. Oh, oh you'd be happy with that. Sure, right. The sure. whole world would in Indianapolis. But his 
resume referrals, not great. Adam Gase. Yeah, he not, got that two jobs out of that. And the guy was a disaster as a coach, a disaster at the press conference. I'm not saying Callahan's that guy, but man, you know, you got to be careful first out of the gate. Who's the guy that you're giving a reference to? That's why I'm like, ah. I, I mean, Zach I Taylor, that. you know, yeah, was- I, can, I, I can understand that. And look, I, I'm looking at all the guys. Uh, I think uh, Zach Key from my colleague just uh, tweeted out all the guys who are coming back. And, and it's, it's an impressive, pretty impressive list outside of outside of the former center here in Indianapolis. Um, all these guys. I mean, I, I really I, I know I said it before. I like retreads. You know, as far as coaches go. Me too. Uh, I, I just, you know, you look at Andy Reid, you look at Belichick, you look at you know, Doug Peterson. Right. I, I like guys who, who, who've lived it and learned from it, and I think there's something to be said for that. I also like the young, state-of-the-art quarterback whisperer, and I think that that's what I can and Callahan bring to the table. And this is a fairly unique situation where you're going to have a brand new quarterback unless something really weird happens. Now, Bob, uh, where are you currently? Let's find well, out. I was, I was going to go to Purdue, but I changed my mind. Okay, but you were going to so go I up am, to- I am home. Okay, that really wrecked my smooth segue into Purdue. Okay. Are you going to do a story on Purdue? What What's going on? Well, I'm, uh, I'm uh, collecting stuff, and uh, obviously Saturday afternoon, uh, it's just a massive game. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Edie against Jackson Davis, Purdue versus Indiana. Yeah. I, I think I have to double check. But it's been many years since both teams were ranked and, and played one another. Uh, I thought I saw 2007, but don't don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, so it's been a while since both teams were this good. And, I mean, you think Assembly Hall be rocking? It's yeah, gonna be, it's going to be nuts, and I'm really curious to see Edie and, and Jackson Davis. I mean, they've obviously faced each other many times before, but it was always when when Jackson Davis had a team uh, that you know around him that wasn't very good. Um, you didn't have anybody who could shoot the way Hood uh, Shapino can shoot, uh, the way Galloway's been shooting from three this year. So. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup. I, I have, uh, I've, I've kind of had one viewpoint the last couple years about IU. I've always thought the problem, sorry, fans of Xavier Johnson, I don't like him. I think he, you don't like him? I don't like him. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. He's always terrible on the road. You look at his home road splits, yeah. I think he'd be great. Yeah, this game at home. But I like the chemistry that's kind of been built with not one guy just pounding the rock. I feel like yeah. there's been a lot of better movement. I think whoever's playing there, if it's Hood Shafino or if it's Galloway, whoever has the ball, I just feel like it's not one guy, it's three or four. And sometimes that can actually work. I love the movement of the ball. I think the defense has been a little more cohesive. We had Don Fisher on yesterday. He talked about how the defense had really improved over the last three or four games. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this game. And, you know, 
it, you're right. It's been what, 16 years, 15 years. That's crazy that a game like this that used to just be, it was the best game. Duke, North Carolina. Okay, whatever. Those teams play in a different situation. There was hatred, pure hatred. They're not close to each other, even like 30 miles away, like Duke and North Carolina. It's great for the state, especially when you Colts and the Pacers are not where they need to be with the fans. We have a game to watch. And ESPN, for some reason, is setting shop at Duke, uh, North Carolina. I don't understand Ugh. that. You got the number one team against whatever yeah. IU is today, 20-whatever. Um, I would think that, that would be a more attractive game for you know for your, to set your, your guys up, but apparently not. But, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be magical. I'm, I'm, I'm also looking forward to Thursday night with uh, uh, the Lakers uh, coming into town against the Pacers because we'll, we'll find out uh, whether Halliburton makes the all-star team, which, you know, I, I know in the big picture it's not really that important. But if you know Halliburton a little bit and you know what it means to, to the Pacers to get kind of that national recognition for one of their players, it's a real big deal. So we'll find out. Thursday night with our Halliburton to the uh, All-Star team. Bob Kravis with, uh, with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Kravis, we'll get into the Pacers in a sec. My question on Purdue, uh, the, you know, the back-to-back years of being number one, they've been able to hold it now for a matter of weeks. They're playing well, just one loss. But, of course, the caveat for Purdue in the last couple of years has been their performance in the NCAA tournament from North Texas to St. Peter. So do you get a sense that this team is different and I know we'll all find out in March, but is this team different? Are they capable of making that run? They're capable of making that run. If you're good enough to be number one now, you're good enough to make a run in March. What I will say is, and I, I said this on a, on a different station uh, four days ago, um, I think that last year's team had more raw talent. You know, you had you had Edie, you had Trevion, you had uh, Jaden Ivey. Um, I, I don't know that you have any uh, lottery players uh, on this roster. I, I'd be scared to death. Look, they're going to make the second weekend of the, of, the, of the tournament without question. But, boy, I tell you what, if Edie gets in foul trouble, is Kaufman Wren ready to play big minutes just in case that happens? And that, that, that's the thing that always scares me. I, I love their young guards, um, you know, but – I don't know that you have a guard who can break people down the way Jaden Ivey could. So I thought for pure uh, talent, last year's team was better. But, you know, this team plays together so beautifully. Um, so they, they'll get to the second week. Whether they can make the final four, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the year of Carson uh, Edwards, I wasn't so sure they could get there. Came within, uh, you know, a last-second basket by Diakite from uh, Virginia of getting to the Final Four that year. So who knows? The thing that's really shocked me about Purdue, on, in a very positive light, uh, I saw Braden Smith and I saw uh, Lawyer play in high school. I saw a game each of them. The best game I've ever seen one player have in a game. Uh, Braden Smith beat 
I think was number one or number two or number three Fishers in the sectionals. He came back. The place was on fire. He was he was like Carson Edwards, but he was a high school senior. And I'm like, this kid's unreal. He has yeah. like a Scott Skiles if he's not looking for a shot attitude, which Aaron, I yeah. absolutely How about love. Aaron Kraft? How do you feel about him? Yeah, but Aaron Kraft couldn't a better, shoot. A better shooter. Yes. A shooter. It's it's really exciting to watch. Uh, I wasn't believer in Foster. I thought lawyer would take a year or so because his body was so. So there's no history of freshman guards doing well in the Big Ten. And so I keep waiting, and I'm like, ah, they're going to lose at Michigan State. Whoever has sent two guards to East Lansing and one in that place, and they did it. They found ways to win. It's just a really unique team. Instead of finding ways to lose, like most Boiler teams that have been really well put together, well coached, this team seems to have that opposite thing, where they have a way of finding ways to to win, of course, there will be no game where the crowd will be more frenzied than Saturday. It's almost sad that these teams have to play a game before that. It'll be interesting. Don Fisher, scared to death of Maryland this uh, tonight. I don't blame him. I mean, that's a tough place to play. They have a lot of talent, and who knows if IU is looking ahead. I got to think they are. No one's talking about that game. Oh. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Maryland, uh, Maryland, I think is undefeated in the Big Ten at home. I, I believe that's right. Um, Mar- Maryland's been playing great basketball. They've knocked off some big, big time folks lately. So that I think that's going to be a really rough game. I mean, Purdue's got it relatively easy. They've got uh, I think Penn State coming up, but yeah, uh, uh, the game. Uh, uh, against Maryland is going to be a real test of their medal. Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Um, of course, Bob has been when, – when did you get to Indianapolis? I got here in 2000, so 23 years. Yeah, this is an exciting – did you see Jim Boeheim's, uh yes. press conference? And then it reminded me of uh, Coach K's one that he had last year. I believe these are both like college reporters asking legitimate questions. Legitimate questions. And I, I actually talked a little bit. Uh, I, I work as a uh, – I, I kind of help out at Ball State uh, with their sports journalism folks, their, kid, their students. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, you can't – be cowed by these guys. Some of these guys are just bullies, and they think that sports journal uh, that um, uh, that student journalists are supposed to be public relations arms for the university. When the fact of the matter is, they're doing the same job as the guy from as the person from the Syracuse paper or wherever. And I listened to the question, and it was perfectly legitimate. Yeah. And the next day. The next day, he was asked about a player who didn't didn't play in the game, and Beheim was an ass about that as well. Uh, so that's just the way he rolls. I've seen Beheim in action. I've seen Shashevsky in action. They, you know, student student journalists should, uh, you know, I mean, what I told my kids was, I mean, Bob Knight pulled that stuff with me all the time, which was pretty fun. And I made, <laughs> I made sure to ask a question or two 
every every press conference, and he would just look and say, "Next question." No, but Bob, let's tell up. let's tell the real truth of this story. I think we are forgetting when a young Bob Kravitz comes from the suburbs of Chicago to yeah, uh, yeah. be a journalist and a goalie for the club team at IU. Is that correct, hockey goalie? Yes, I grew up in New York, but I lived in Chicago, too, yes. uh, later in high school. And, yeah, I, Knight and I, I'll keep this short, Knight and I had a really good relationship early on. Mm-hmm. But then I wrote something that he didn't like. I can't exactly recall what it is I wrote, but he didn't like it. And he went off on me to practice one day. Uh, he let me in. Uh, uh, he, he started letting us into practice, and uh, that ended after that day. He didn't talk to the daily student for years after I left. I think I was the last straw for for quite some time. But, uh, yeah, he, he wouldn't let me in the locker room. He wouldn't answer my questions. But you know what? You find ways around it. You find ways to get the job done, and I think I did. Did you feel Brennan like that was like a not only a veteran reporter, uh, I think the best columnist in the history of this city, and also – He's a teacher. He's teaching. It was well done. Young journalists that there's ways to work around that to still do your job if your job is to first try to find the truth and the coach doesn't like the truth. Not better to just go, you know, soft on it. Just find a different way. I love it. Just find a different way. You just work. You work. You do a workaround and you'll find what you need. need. I remember when I got the job at Texas Tech. And the, the, the star wanted me to go down to Lubbock. And virtually the entire national media was, was covering that game. He re, his guy refused to give me a press credential. So I bought a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a ticket. I, I got quotes from, uh, from another journalist in, Indiana, in Indianapolis. I gave him a tape recorder. I wrote my column uh, in my car uh, in the parking lot in a driving rainstorm and, uh, you know, went back to the hotel. This is back in the old days, sent it from there where I had a phone line and, uh, got it done. That was evocative. You could just imagine Bob in his car. It's West yeah. Texas, the hellhole of the world. I'm telling oh, it is the worst, the worst part of the United States. I've been 46. Sorry. Lubbock. Is that a plan? stop for you possibly brendan i don't want to wreck that i know but actually let me, i uh i'm going to spring training in march but i'm making it a weekend my buddy's having his bachelor party in austin Austin's so i'm gonna, gonna, gonna fly from here to austin bachelor party then fly to phoenix for spring training all that's good well, those so are I, great, I think it'll be great okay. stops lubbock is not no. Oh, Bob, what are we going to do? You got coaching. You've got the best game in college basketball on Saturday. You're excited about that Lakers Pacers Thursday. There's action actually happening all around us. It's a not... Keeps me busy. Keeps me out of trouble. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. I want to hear what trouble is for Bob Kravitz at this point. You're like, I know what trouble used to be. Yeah, now, I know. I used on. to be a wild man, but I've. I've calmed down in my old age. How many heart attacks have you had? Uh, <laughs> more than one. Bob blamed uh, like his second heart attack on me having him do that stand-up show. Mm. And it's probably <laughs> factual, right? Have you previously killed yeah. a guy? Then? 
<laughs> yeah. How many people have you killed? How many people? <laughs> well, I think we need a whole segment for that. And <laughs> yeah, I want to bring in Keith Morrison. Uh, yeah. He gonna, wants a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I know we've got to have ads with lawyers, so I know who to call. I'm going to check on that. All right. Uh, Kravi, I don't get to ask this question to a whole lot of guests just because of where we are in the country, but uh, you got a Stanley Cup pick? Stanley Cup pick. Um, gosh, you know, I I know Colorado is struggling, but I still think, you know, when they get everybody back healthy – and their goaltender plays the way I think he can play, Georgiev. Georgiev, really um, good. I I still think I still think Colorado is the cream of the crop when they're all healthy. One of the uh, funniest parts of Bob Kravitz to me was when Bob came here. The Indy 500 was huge, right? I mean, that was like that was one of your two or three most important jobs. You know, when you come to the Indy Indianapolis Star. You know, you've got to cover that, and you knew that. You love hockey, don't really care for auto racing, and you never get to talk about hockey, and you had to spend a lot of time talking about auto racing or writing about it. Uh, That's kind of fun to me. I love when people get put in horrible (laughs) situations like that for them personally. I remember talking to uh, uh, Tim Franklin, who is the the, uh, editor-in-chief of the paper. He hired me. Back in 2000, uh, you know, he said, "He said, how do you feel about uh, motorsports?" I said, "I don't bl- bl- blank about motorsports." I thought you were going to let it fly. I like that, but I, I mean, I, I came close, man. Jimmy got nervous. Close. You, you would think I'd done radio before. Nah, and, some would uh, say. He, he said, "Yeah, you'll figure it out. You'll they, figure it out." They make left turns and they go real fast. Hmm. It's really shocking that people like Robin Miller were resentful when you came in. That's a, a big surprise. Well, I I, I, I utilize the people who uh, knew their stuff. I mean, Robin Miller was very helpful to me when he wasn't ripping me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Kirk Cavan. That's how Brendan's been with me so far. I like it. <laughs> What's that? That's how Brendan uh, King here right next to me. That's how he's been so far. He has been incredibly helpful. You know, I'm a rank amateur. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't have to tell the audience. It's uh, yeah, it's obvious. And uh, Brendan's been very helpful. And then he throws in these little jabs underneath, which makes me feel like I'm one of the guys. We're boys. I, like that. I love boys. that about it. Bob, uh, I got in trouble with the last break. I'm going to let you go right now. I wish I had a buzzer. That's my thing I love to do. Uh, <laughs> thanks again, Bob. Bob Kravitz. Hey, my pleasure, man. The athletic, and he is well worth the uh, small price that you have to pay. So, Brendan, we have our next break. Sean Morris of the Big Ten Network. This guy knows the Big Ten better than almost anyone. That's why I brought him in. Exciting. And it's happening soon. I listened to uh, Mick Jagger. This is Scott Long, Brendan King with me, Jimmy Cook behind the dials, teaching me everything I need to know. I listened to Mick Jagger there. He's probably almost seven years old. It's alive. And he did it right. He didn't sound like Vince Neal of Motley Crue or Bon Jovi where you have to hit high notes. His voice just gets lower and he can still sing it. So keep your vocal registers lower. Then you don't sound terrible when 
you are in your 40s and 50s and can't hit the note. I give music advice, Brendan. I don't know if you knew that about me. Seems like you dabble in a little bit of everything. I dabble you know what I'm uh, in a lot. Our guest uh, coming up here, Sean Morris, uh, Big Ten. I believe he's done more Big Ten games than probably anyone ever as an analyst. He's Northwestern uh, Hall of Famer, three-time academic All-American, uh, and... One of my best friends in high school, we used to listen to Motley Crue. It was the 80s. Uh, is any of this true, Sean Morris? Uh, all of it true except for one thing. I am not in the Northwestern Hall of Fame. But Wait everything else a minute. Is, is, wow. is accurate. What? How, who? I mean, how many basketball players are in the Northwestern Hall of Fame? Three? I mean, I, I think... I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I just know I'm not one of them. But everything else, uh, especially Motley Crue, circa 1982, mm-hmm. uh, all true. Now, we did not wear the spandex, but everything else is right on point. That's, fa- that's a fact. Is that a cassette tape or a CD? Oh, the cassette, yeah. right? Cassettes? Cassettes and the tail end of A-tracks. Yes, and the tail end of A-tracks. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sean, uh, what about the uh, part? You have done more uh, Big Ten games than anyone is that that would have to be factual right i don't know if it's a fact but uh i've done a lot i've i've scott i've in all seriousness i've been very very fortunate to get involved uh completely by accident in tv 30 years ago uh, way back when things were still regionalized and and you had syndicators and have just been able to kind of hang around and and you know have the role grow a little bit but you know i I, I always tell them I may not be good, but I'm always on time, and I always show up. And if you show up, you know, you hopefully you get another gig. Brendan, you believe in that, right, Brendan? That's the name of the game in calling games. Yeah, Brendan is the voice of the South Bend what? Cubs. Cubs. They there go by go. the Cubs. Yes. We're the Cubbies. The Cubbies. Now, Sean, um, you are the guy that when you know it's a Big Ten game, you're listening, watching on the Big Ten Network, and it's like, Oh, there's that guy. I don't know what his name is, but he always is good. And you're excited and you're happy that it's that guy, Sean Morris. How's your thoughts this year? I mean, the Big Ten cannot be the way you looked at it going in. I mean, you would be Nostradamus if you thought that Purdue was going to be like head and shoulders above everyone. And then you throw in Northwestern Rutgers are right behind him. What's going on? Yeah, that that's a that's an excellent point. I mean, the one thing about Purdue, I would have never foreseen the year that they're having now. No, no way. But the one thing I did know is that year after year, you know, everyone kind of underestimates Matt Painter and the, and, and the Boilermakers. And, and I think people thought, Oh, they will be, you know, middle of the pack, sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. That much I knew would not be true because they, they did lose a lot, but that guy wins with whatever, type of style of play you want to have. And this year they've got, you know, once a, a once in a 10-year sort of guy and Zach Eady and a couple of freshman guards. But I would have not foreseen them having the type of year that they've had and kind of separating themselves from the rest of the league. But I knew they'd be pretty good. I didn't think they'd be this good. And then the rest of the league, you know, you mentioned Northwestern. And, and Scott, the, the biggest thing there is that they've completely changed the way that they play. Uh, they focused on the defensive end of the floor and college football has, uh, you know, a national assistant coach of the year, the Broyles Award. If they gave one for basketball, there's no question, at least in my mind, that it should go to Chris Lowry, who's the first-year assistant at Northwestern. 
came over um, off of a K-State staff when Bruce Weber got let go. The, the way they play now gives them a chance every single game. It all starts on the defensive end of the floor. And that they've probably been, um, in many ways, the second biggest surprise in the league just behind Purdue, just in different uh, degrees. And if you're not aware, Bruce Weber was the coach at Southern Illinois. Then he left to go to Illinois. Matt Painter came in to be the head coach of Southern Illinois. He left to become the Purdue coach, and Chris Lowry was that guy. So he comes from the Purdue coaching tree, as you might say. Did you ever face anyone that ever even remotely seemed like Zach Eady? You were um, 84 to 88 at Northwestern. Was there anyone that was like that? The only thing that comes to mind, no one that was as good as Zach Eady, but Indiana, I, I caught Uwe Blop for a year. Yes. Okay. And, and Uwe Blop was 7'2. Uh, and Scott, you and I both grew in the, you know, up in the same town. There wasn't a building as big as that guy. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that, that was the only thing in terms of size. Uh, and he had, he had the sweeping hook and just a really big guy. But no one like Zach Eady because, yeah, he's seven four and he's 300 pounds, but he's skilled. I mean, he, he can score with either hand. He, he, he runs pretty well, uh, very well, actually, for a guy that size. And I, it, it's just really enjoyable as someone that kind of you know, likes little nuances of the game to see a guy that comes in there and, and he just works. You know, I mean, he's not, he's not a racehorse, but you get fed with workhorses, and this guy is a workhorse – and he's always continually putting in extra time on his game, and he's coachable. And uh, uh, th- I haven't—I never played against anybody that that size that was that skilled. When you guard an Uve Blob, who isn't as skilled, but you know, at least down low, he's the most similar guy. Maybe Isaac Haas. Those are the two guys I can think of in my lifetime that I've ever seen in the Big Ten who had that kind of just physical size and force. They have thick legs. A lot of times, guys that are uh, over seven feet tall, especially in college, they don't have much weight. They don't have much strength. How do you guard a guy? You were six nine. How do you, how do you guard a guy like that? Uh, you cheat. Um, as, as much as you feel you need to. And, and Uwe Blop, uh, I'll clean it up since it's a family show, but when I was guarding Uwe Blop, uh, the only thing I could think to do was pull on his shorts. And he went into a sweeping hook. And, you know, these, these were back when the shorts really lived up to their names, although things were <laughs> kind of coming back that way. Yeah. And I, I grabbed the bottom of his shorts and held on for dear life. And when he went into a shooting motion, I essentially pantsed him in assembly hall in Bloomington. And he, in his German accent, let the ref know that he did not particularly care for that. And the the official gave me a thought. I said, you know, what, what in the, do you want me to do? Okay. So, so that was, uh, that was my claim to fame with Uwe Blatt. But uh, to answer your question, the, the only chance that you really have is that you have to try to get lower and you're not going to move the guy away from where he wants to go, but you try to move him maybe a half a foot away from where he's the most comfortable. So, you know, if you know that he wants to set up on that right block and go over that left shoulder or whatever the the situation is with the guy, if you can move him six inches or beat him to that spot where he doesn't get the chance to root you out, that's really the only chance you have. And, And because if you get caught behind a guy like Zach Eady, I mean, just, 
Uh, and, and it doesn't matter with which hand you know you try to overplay, he can score with either one. And I think that's what makes him so enjoyable to watch and so rare because forget about big guys, you got guards that can't score with the offhand. Sean, uh, nobody in the Big Ten has been able to, of course, stop Zach Eady. We saw Hunter Dickinson try the other day. didn't work. Eady still played well. And I realize IU, that game's coming up this weekend. They got Maryland tonight. But looking ahead for IU, the battle that could be Zach Eady versus Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady versus Race Thompson, can either of those two do anything to hammer Eady down low? I I think that you know that my guess is is that for periods of time they'll, they'll probably put Race Thompson on him just because they want to uh, keep Trace Jackson Davis as much out of foul trouble because it, it Zach Eady can foul out everybody I mean you know the mascot everybody he'll <laughs> <laughs> get everybody uh, because I you know I I've, I've watched the number of his games on TV I had one of their games live and you know it's not that that uh, you know he's getting the benefit of the doubt. They could call a foul on who's guarding him every time. And a lot of it isn't the defender's fault. So, you know, I, you, you try, I would think you're going to try to rotate guys on him. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty good passer, but, you know, look for some scrape downs and, and some doubles. Um, you know, it, the Penn State game against Michigan um, this past weekend, which, which I had, um, some teams may, you know, steal that, even though it's, it's not an apples to apples. Um, you may see another big that doesn't get a whole lot of time that they'll start in the ball game and then just run that double at Edie and try to get the ball out of his hands, you know, especially early so he doesn't get into a rhythm. But, but he's going to get his, and he gets his without forcing it. You know, I mean, he, you can tell he's just playing. He's not worried about his points or his stats or his rebounds. Um, and, and I think that's what makes him even more difficult to play against. And, you know, because of the year he's having, guys, uh, you don't want to have Trace Jackson Davis get overlooked for the. I mean, it, any other year, the numbers that guy's putting up, uh, I mean, it would be just a complete no-brainer as, as to who the player of the year in the league is going to be. And um, you know, those two guys are certainly at the top of the heap. And um, it, it's it's in many ways it's enjoyable from a fan standpoint. But for those guys, especially Trace Jackson Davis, the year he's having, he kind of gets overlooked. I mean, and look at the numbers; they're 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 ridiculous. You know, he's what, 19 points a ball game, 11 boards, 59% or so from the floor. You know, he blocks about three shots a game. I mean, those, those are those are All-American numbers, and he quite well could not be the player of the year in the conference because of Edie. He's not even talked about quite on the same level in the state. That's yeah. one of those weird things where when you're IU and Purdue and you have the two best players in the whole state. Now, you mentioned you uh, had Penn State uh, recently, Penn State playing Purdue uh, this week. Can you give us a little um, uh, insight on the Nittany Lions? Because it's a different type of team than I can recall ever. Uh, Micah, Coach Mike has done such a great job kind of changing the whole culture of the team. They just feel like Penn State always had to outwork you totally. Well, this team will outwork you, but they have skill. Uh, Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, and they've got, and Scott, they've got experience. I mean, uh, you know, Andrew Funk comes in, um, and and to answer your earlier part of your question, they just play differently because, I mean, it's no secret what they're going to do offensively. They, They don't really even attempt to touch the, the, the post with, with any post feeds. Um, they'll, they'll play five out for long periods of time. They want to spread it. 
They're going to shoot a ton of threes. You know, they make about 11 a ball game. And, um, you know, another guy, you know, Jalen Pickett. Look, any other year, a dude that's averaging, you know, 17 points, eight boards, and seven assists, you'd be like, yeah, that that guy's going to probably be player of the year. You know, that's not going to happen for him. And he's really, really good with the basketball. Um, You know, Andrew, Andrew Funk can knock down a three. They got really quick releases. They'll play small. They're going to try to spread it out. Um, and then their their real question is going to be, how do they guard Zach Eady? Okay, because they've got guys that, that will go in there um, against Rutgers. They went out there, uh, and uh, Miles Dredd at about 6'4", generously listed, was guarding, you know, uh, Clifford Morty. All right, well, if, if, if they do that with um, Zach Eady, and they might have to for periods of time depending on foul trouble, I mean – you know, he'll look like a growth on Zach Eady. He's not, you know, he's not going to have a chance. So they'll run doubles. They'll do, they'll, they'll probably play guys that don't play a whole bunch. Um, Caleb Dorsey might get a little bit more time. Michael Hen, not necessarily for what they're going to do scoring wise, but to use the fouls on Eady and then have the other guy come over and double team. Now they won't do that a ton, but they did it against Dickinson and, and it really set the tone. Is there one team in the Big Ten that you've uh, seen that kind of is under the radar? Because there's a lot of teams kind of in that 2 to 12 range that you're like, second half of the year, I'm going to have a hard time not imagining them being one of the top three or four teams in the Big Ten as it ends. Yeah, that's a really good question because, you know, you've got – just that whole bunch in the middle. And it, it, it's not that, you know, any of them are bad. It's just that they're so really evenly matched. You know, I, you've, you've got a couple teams in the bottom at Minnesota and Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really hard for them to move up. And then, you know, I think it's clear that, that in many ways, uh, at least for now, Purdue's kind of separated themselves. But, you know, one team that, you know, the first team that comes to mind that really intrigues me um, is Ohio State. And, and the reason I say that is that there have been times this year they've looked really, really good. Um, and then there have been times, you know, they had a little four or five game skid where, you know, they had a few breaks that didn't go their way. And they're, they're trying to incorporate, you know, some, some transfers. Sensabaugh is, is, is an outstanding player. Uh, but that's a team that uh, they're really well coached. And you, you kind of get the feeling that, um, they, they started to have a little bit of momentum until they ran into a really good Indiana team that kind of smacked them down. I, for, for some reason, my instincts tell me that, you know, here in the second half, that's a team I'm going to kind of keep an eye on that I think has been pretty good at times, can be better, and I think they will. I have nothing to base that on other than just my instinct and just kind of watching. Well, one thing you could base it on is the Ken Palm ratings right now, the number one way to – uh, most experts look at college basketball. They're 28th in the country. Ohio State's 11 wins, 10 losses. I mean, yeah. it's really been an insane season. I thought they were the dark horse to win the Big Ten. Obviously, that's way in the rearview mirror. But talent-wise, they have so much. Chris Holtman, such a great coach. It's just been kind of a strange deal where they lost a lot of close games. Yeah, they have, and, and that's why I just – there's just something that, that I, I sense that they have a chance to, you know, they're not going to come back and win the league. I mean, that would be just, that would be the story of, of, you know, the last four years or something like that if they did that. But 
I think that they're going to have a lot to say. And, and it, I just get the feeling that that's going to be a team here in the last four or five weeks of the regular season that's going to kind of put some things in place. Um, you know, I, I get the sense that, that the point guard likely is, is starting to settle in a little bit more. If he can do that, that's going to help a guy like, like Sensabaugh not have to worry so much about making his own play. Um, and they're really, really well coached. They always have been under Chris Holtman, and that's a team I think maybe um, to keep an eye on once once the conference season ends and the tournament begins in Chicago. Sean, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, you know, two ranked teams in the Big Ten right now, which is kind of wild to think about with with Purdue and Indiana, but that's just the state of the league. It's cannibalizing each other as you play these close games and you battle down the stretch. But when you get to March. We've seen teams struggle because either they've been tired or they played their best basketball during conference, but we've also seen teams rise to the occasion because they have been battle-tested. So do you what, what's the better route? I mean, is it is it better for a league to just hammer each other and then you get to the month of March? Or, I mean, would you rather play in a league where it's not as tough competition? Well, I, I, I think you'd like to – find out more about your team during the course of the year um, and, and be tested. Uh, I think this year may be a little bit of an outlier is the fact that it's, it's just been such a, a grinder. I mean, it always is, but I think it's even more so. And it's reflected in the fact that, you know, it's not inconceivable that, you know, you could have just about with that, with the exception of three teams, you could have teams that uh, have anywhere between, let's say 16 and 10 wins in, in, with the vast majority of the league. And that's, that's kind of an outlier. Um, I think you want to test yourself, uh, and then so much of it's going to come down to then, as I always say about matchups, but also, you know, how things are going to be officiated, you know, in 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 a tournament atmosphere. You know, um, uh, using Purdue as an example, uh, are are they, are they going to call all the fouls that that Zach Eady is going to draw? You, you don't know. Um, I I would rather have an idea of what my team is like to get tested. To, to um, go through some of those learning curves when when the when the lights are high and when they're bright, you know Ohio State comes to mind. Um, you know some of those young guys have have struggled a little bit, but it's going to be not nearly as new to them by the time they get to to the NCAA tournament as if they were just cakewalking through a league that was that where they were completely overmatching somebody. We've been talking to Sean Morris of the Big Ten Network. Uh, been doing this for 30 years. Crazy time. It is uh, the last question I would have for you, Sean. When you played uh, between 84 and 88, we're going to go in the way back machine. Who was the standout player that just was of all the Big Ten players? Because the Big Ten, you think it was loaded then. It was really the NBA was there wasn't a lot of European guys coming over or anything like that. Most of the players in the NBA were coming from the ACC, the SEC and the big 10. Who was that one player that just like, no one seemed to ever have an answer for, and you weren't surprised became great in the NBA. Yeah. You know, um, to your point, you know, just to put it in, in perspective, Scott, you know, uh, during that period of time, 87, Indiana won it. And then Michigan won it in 89, and Illinois was also a Final Four team, and uh, and this was a time when, you know, if if a guy left a year early, it was a big deal, right? So you had teams that that were really really good teams because they played together a long time. So it it was a different time, um, a, a different game in, in many ways. 
Um, I'm going to give you, you know, two answers. The best guy that I had the uh, opportunity to get my tail kicked by, and it's a long list, okay? It's a long list. Um, but for for fans who may not have been paying attention, uh, Roy Tarpley at Michigan was like a Kevin Durant before a Kevin Durant, where he would take the ball off the basket at one end with the rebound, go the end of the floor, could run, could score, could do all those sorts of things. I mean, he he was way ahead of his time. And if he would not have had, you know, some of the issues he had off the court, there's no doubt in my mind he would have been one of the top 50 players in NBA history. No question about it because of his skill set. And then another guy, um, you know, at Michigan, I remember when Glenn Rice couldn't get off the bench, okay? Um, that's how loaded Michigan was. But you saw him, uh, and he might have had – the best pure elevation jump shot. He always went up and landed in the same spot, um, and he had a really, really good NBA career. I don't think people understood um, how good that guy was because there were so many other great players in the league. So those are two guys that, that came to mind. But that the league was was stacked because guys didn't go anywhere. Where are you uh, this week? What game or games are you doing? Uh, Saturday, I am at uh, Minnesota, and they play Maryland. So Saturday night. Right. What is the – I mean, I don't think anyone wants detailed analysis of the Minnesota-Maryland game here in Indianapolis. Good luck with that. But I would just tell you right now – do some like background information, you know, just some fun stuff. Have some facts. Do you come into a game like that and you're like, this could get uh, not to be a good game? Do you have a little background stuff to just go to oh, in those yeah. circumstances? Yeah, you, you, you do that, you know, all the time um, because, you know, a great example was this past weekend. Okay. No, if I'd have gone into the game thinking that uh, Penn State was going to roll Michigan by 30. I'd have gone to Vegas and we wouldn't be having this conversation because I'd be on my private plane flying around somewhere. So you never really know what's going to happen. So you always like to have those things that you can kind of pull out and and make sure that, uh, you know, the the, the game is still the thing, but you have to have, you know, some, some information that if things go haywire one way or another, that, uh, you know, it's not just radio silence because there's a lot of things that people can do with their time and, you know, if they're if they're flipping in, you want to make give them a reason to stick around if the game's not doing it for you. That was Sean Morris, Big Ten Network. Thanks again for uh, coming in. Uh, Sean and I grew up together, high school uh, kids with a dream. We're both living. Yeah, look where you are now. Oh my gosh, that's depressing. He'll be in <laughs> Minnesota watching Maryland play, and I'm here uh, trying to learn radio from Brendan King. I'm trying my best, Sean, with him. I'm trying my yeah. best. Well, I, you know, um, it's 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 really cool, Scott, that, that we had a chance to reconnect here, and and uh, uh, you've done real well. For, in all seriousness, you've done real well for yourself. And uh, um, I don't know if you've been back there, but where we grew up, it doesn't look anything remotely like it did when we were there. Um, it does not. Not even close. No. Okay, well, uh, the producer, Jimmy Cook, is just so, and he should be. He is trying to do his job. How should I wrap this up, Brandon? Toss it to break some way. It's break. <laughs> Two o'clock, Mike Chapel.
Scott Long just got roasted by Jimmy Cook during the break. Yeah, it was good. I need to Jim, learn. Jimmy stepped up, and he told you how he felt. Yeah. You took way too much time. I did. I'm just kidding. All of it. <laughs> Uh, I like You need that. to write an apology letter to Radio 1. I told you, my dad was like Coach Bobby Knight without the good mood swings. I need people yelling at me. <laughs> Some players focus better when they got somebody yelling at them. Jimmy, kind of a Tony Dungeon. What are we doing, Scott? <laughs> I love on. that. I love that. Do you feel that? You know what's really awkward? I, I did a game. All of it? I, I did a game. Yeah. I did a game recently, and... Jimmy, you might know this. Like you're you're walking out of a game and you're going by like a locker room and you can hear a coach screaming. That's a little awkward. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, little little awkward. Anyway, this is not going to be awkward because we're going to break on time. Scott Long here at the DriveHubler.com studio. Brendan King next to me, learning me all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're by the hour. You're just getting better and better. Mm. Man, I probably are going to be too good for this by the time. So I'm I don't saying, know, by, by the time Thursday's done, maybe Olivia, s- maybe Olivia will call you back. By the time I could Thursday's get a done. second day. There's so much backstory that you have to know that's involved with me. This is, you know, as someone who's lived here for 30 years, more than that, moved here in 1990 before you guys. That was were four born. years before I was born. Right, Jimmy. You, five you were, years. Five January years. I have been listening to one voice in Indianapolis about the Colts. When you know how there's sometimes there's just a voice that just makes everything seem better. Like the person you would go to, he's like a sensei or her is a sensei for whatever subject you need. Maybe it was a teacher. My voice, my teacher, is on the mower shop guest line right now, mowershop.com. Mike Chapel, Mike, thank you for uh, coming in. You need to expand your horizons <laughs> and, and, and increase your standards, but uh, I appreciate it. Well, I had Bob Kravitz on at one, so, you know, I have low self-esteem if I'm going to do that. I'm not that. sure if I'm a step up or a step down. <laughs> That's what I love about both you guys. So, Mike, you remember when you came into this job and it was like a six-month job? That was nice, wasn't it? Like you just uh, you did the season, the preseason, maybe the camp. Then there was the draft, and it was over. Not was anymore. They, I tell you, and we've talked about this, is the NFL is a master of, of, of always being relevant. The only time there's really a downtime is once OTAs are over and mid-June to, like, the third week of July. That's it. Every other time. I mean, they've turned the draft into a, an event. They've turned the combine into the third or fourth, second or third most attended event on their calendar. They've made the Pro Bowl. People bitch and moan about the Pro Bowl, and it's always, you know, the most watched event of that week, on, you know, in, in TV. So, in this year with that, what is it, a flag football, which I'll try not to watch, It'll get great great ratings just because it's the NFL and whatever they touch is gold. Mike, uh, a lot of fans are like, why don't they just pick a head coach already? Do you think the Colts have been a little less aggressive in that after the whole fiasco the last time? No, I think they've been very aggressive. I mean, gosh, they had 13 interviews the first phase, and now they've 
narrowed it down, you know, in half to like seven. So no, I think they've been aggressive. They're just they're taking the approach that you know you don't you know you, you don't win for being first. Now you you got to be right. Uh, now the only thing that if you wait and and if there's somebody you want and he goes somewhere else and you lose him, but but that's that's really seldom the case to where they were never in the Sean Payton Derby if he ends up anywhere. So they want to get it right. They had to get it right, and then. I've talked before the last couple of weeks, along with getting the head coach right, they've got to get the quarterback right. I think the quarterback's more important than the head coach, but they've got to get this coach right. They've done their due diligence. They'll have, I think, what we found out, and they're very secretive about this, the, the Colts. And I think they've talked to five guys on the second round. And I don't know whether Callahan is supposed to talk tomorrow, I think, but. You know, and then if they go after the Philly guy, Steichen, uh, you know that that's going to be a hiring after the Super Bowl. So, they, they, no, they've been very aggressive. Some, some people could say they've talked to too many people. I think you, it's kind of like when I go to buy a new car, and I go to three different dealerships, and then I don't know, I don't know what hell I'm doing because they got me confused. But these guys are doing their homework. Chris Ballard and his staff have pared it down, and now the owner gets involved. So no, I think they've done what they need to do and they just have to get it right. Uh, Mike, Mike Chapel on the line with us. Make it easier next time, Mike. Just go to Hubler, Hubler.com. That would be... I, to, I, I bought my cars from Hubler on the south side for 40 years. There we go. I don't, that's why we had you on. You killed that one. Thank you. And why wouldn't you? Uh, Brendan, when we're talking about uh, this with uh, Bob Kravitz. He named off two names, and they were not Jeff Saturday. Chris Hagan, you might have met him before. He believes it is Saturday as the coach. Do you have a lean? Because Krabby thought it was one of the two offensive coordinators that they would go after. I'm finishing the story right here to post on Fox 59 and CBS 4 that I, I, to me it's got to be one of the coordinators. Uh, it, it, only because it, it's, again, the quarterback is most important, but then if that's the case, then you've got to surround him with the right coaching staff. And that starts with the coordinator who's going to be your head coach for the most part. And cause that's the only way it works. Anything else in it's not going to work. And then you're, you're on the the wrong path for the next four or five years. So the problem I have, I think there's some really good candidates on here, but the problem, let's see Raheem Morris, who's his coordinator. Most of the proven name guys are employed. So he's going to have to bring in – and these guys, when they have these interviews, they say, and this is who my staff – I want my staff to be. Because if, if you're a defensive coordinator, you have got to be able to sell that your offensive coordinator can be the guy to lift your quarterback and, and build your quarterback and develop your quarterback. And I, you're already running a little bit of a risk – Hiring a head coach, there's always a risk involved. Or they wouldn't be doing this every other year, not the Colts, but, but the league. And now you're adding to the risk if you bring in a defensive guy or the special teams guy, because now you're asking him to bring in an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach who haven't been, for the most part, a successful quarterback or a coordinator for a while. So I just like the idea that I, I know who's running my offense. It's the head coach with people in place, obviously, because I, I think that 
you know, it's so important to have the staff around you. I'm not crazy about the head coach calling plays like Frank did. I think there are times that there's, there's too much going on. But if you've got the, the Philly guy or the, or the or the Cincy guy, they've done it. They've proven it with, with, in, in, in different systems in a short period of time. The only thing I always warn people on is Callahan's not going to be bringing Joe Burrow and, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Uh, and Steichen's not going to bring Hurts and A.J. Brown. So you've got to you've got to believe that not only can he be a head coach, but that he that he can that he can start with a new young quarterback and do it again. So I, I just like the idea of starting with the offensive mind and letting him kind of uh, build things as opposed to maybe there's to me there's more risk involved with a defensive guy or a special teams guy because then he's got to bring in a staff and you have to trust that he knows what he's doing with his staff, with guys that you just may not be names that people are familiar with. Mm. Mike Chappell, our guest on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Chap, one name that's out there, and this is completely hypothetical, and just bring it up because I'm looking at the guy's name right now, but if you do hire a defensive guy, I mean, Tampa fired Byron Leftwich. I mean, he did win a Super Bowl, but how much – to you, and again, this is just off the cup, but how much to you does the failure of the Bucks this year hurt maybe teams' appeal possibly with Leftwich? I, I, some, I suppose, but then, then you look into why it didn't work, and, and they had so many issues with the offensive line, and, and Brady is getting older, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the normal Brady guy, so I suppose it would hurt him a little bit. But we've seen that when, when things are really good around him with the quarterback and he gets some great skill players, that he, he's a quality coordinator. So that would be a name to keep in mind as well as a coordinator. But these guys, each one of these guys, no, no different than when Frank Reich went to Carolina. You know, he had to tell these guys, and this is who I would like my staff to be. And we may see some of his, his assistants with the Colts end up in Carolina. But no, that that's a name to, to keep in mind because you, you just want guys that have done it. Yes, you've got to find guys that who are the rising stars, and, and we don't know yet. You know what, D'Amico Ryan just coached what uh, six years, seven years. Uh, so you'd love to get that guy, but I guess where the Colts are right now, it's at such a crossroads. I would like to to lessen the risk as much as I can in a risky business. As far as bringing in coaches, I would like to kind of be as sure as I can, and then if it doesn't work, you say, "Well, at least, at least we we went with guys that had done it before, and were successful, and didn't work out." But I, I I just want guys that have done it before, especially on the offense. When you say somebody who's done it on the offense has experience as a coach, but then you know somebody that's gotten a second interview got an interview as the coach uh this year as interim coach Jeff Saturday do you have a feel for where the Colts have you know fallen on that because it's such a weird experience obviously uh Ursay loves Jeff Saturday Jeff Saturday's been loved by the community then they didn't love him so much when he was doing a job they didn't think he was maybe as qualified for where is that stand now where do you see that standing well he, I, i've always the stance i've taken is 
no one should dismiss the possibility of Jeff Saturday being coach, head coach. I mean, if you don't believe that's real, you've not been paying attention to the owner. Remember, one of the things he said is, a, you know, he's here for eight games, maybe more, or hopefully more. I can't remember exactly what the phrase was. But I just, I, boy, I just have a hard time believing they'll do that. I know it's possible. I, I just know it's possible because he's had his second interview, and the owner really likes the idea of of hey, what, what if he's here in February and he has a chance to put his fingerprints on it moving forward without all the baggage they had when he came in? I just think when you when you when Chris Bowder and his guys sit down and they look over the resumes of of all these guys, all seven of these, if if, if seven is it, if you look at everybody's resume and then you look at Jeff, you're going to say, I mean, how can you say that this is better? You, you just can't. You, that, that's where you just have to say, well, my gut tells me that he'd be the best head coach. That's that, that's the owner. I can't believe Chris Ballard would, would ever take that approach. Well, l- let's see what happens if we do this because – Everything that Chris Bowder does now moving forward, you know, I mean, he he's on the hot seat. He probably isn't because bringing in a young quarterback, it's going to take a couple of years to get this thing turned around. But I just, I just can't, I can't let my mind go to where we're sitting there in three weeks and Jim Irsay and Jeff are up there and Jim's talking about, and this is why we're doing this. I just, I just can't. Think about the reasons he would give us under the other than this is what I want to do. <laughs> I just don't think that's a very smart, you know, approach. And the one thing that's bothered me through all of this is all of a sudden Jeff Saturday is just a pariah. I mean, people, there's a petition for crying out loud to keep him from being head coach. I, I it just that's to me what's wrong with social media is it's fine to say, I don't think he should be the head coach and here's why. But when this thing goes viral and there's so much animosity towards Jeff. Now I, I realize it's based on the fact that he's not head coach quality because he's not proven it. But I just hate the way that all of a sudden he's like, let's take his name down from the ring of honor. I just think it's, now that's a, that's hyperbole. I realize, but, I'm not really fond of taking these guys out on the woodshed and just beating on them because for whatever your reason, but that that's the media environment we, we live in right now. Mike Chappell uh, on the Mower Shop and MowerShop.com hotline. Mike, uh, I think this is a perfect time to ask, what is your Twitter and your Instagram? Uh, I know you're a big fan of social media. I just heard that. Do you want to give that out? Uh, yeah, it's M-, M Chapel fifty one on Twitter, and I really don't do Facebook or anything else. I'm just a Twitter guy. <laughs> I would yeah. so love to see you like have like pictures of vacations and yeah, Instagram. I just, I, we need to get Chappy a TikTok. I, oh, my yeah, God. Your gra- the grandkids pop. Grandkids probably this love TikTok, guy, right, Chappy? Oh, yes. This guy's in the media room. James Boyd with the athletic likes to do TikTok, and we we let him do it. He's younger, and he's got energy. <laughs> and God love him. I, I have neither. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, obviously the coach is the first thing that's going to happen, but you see the quarterback as by far the most important element. Do you see 
Chris Ballard recommending someone that he still feels like he'll have the majority of the control on who he gets to draft because that has been Chris Ballard's role. And when you take quarterbacks that are retreads like a Matt Ryan or a Carson Wentz and Frank Reich says, those are my answers, then guess what? Chris Ballard gets the whole draft again. This time, though, if he takes an offensive coordinator, they've got to work hand-in-hand. Do you think that could impact who he wants to be the coach? I uh, No, I, 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 I don't know. I, the, the quarterback thing is going to come down to which guy Ballard thinks is most qualified. Yeah, I mean, but no, the, the head coach and the GM have to work hand-in-hand. I mean, as much as I talk about the quarterback having to be the right guy, because if he's not, I don't care who the coach. We, we saw this year. I don't care who the coach was. As messed up as they were, top to bottom on offense, it didn't matter. It wasn't just a quarterback. I still think that if the offensive line had been better and the running game had worked, that Matt Ryan would have been good enough. Not not to take you to the Super Bowl for crying out loud, but to win the AFC South because it was right there. But the head the head coach and the GM have got to work together. They have to. You just can't start this relationship with the owner forcing the GM to take a coach that he really doesn't believe in. I, you're just setting it up to fail. So I hope that after after they go through all this process, it's probably going to run another week or two, that Chris Ballard is really allowed to hire his head coach. Because I, I just don't know how it works without that. I, I just don't. So, uh, but, but again, then further down the line, if he and the coach are in, are in unison, hopefully they're allowed – to do the evaluation because I'm hoping it's an offensive guy and they can talk about this is what we want in a quarterback, this is what we need in a quarterback, and this is what these quarterbacks bring. And then when the time comes and they trade up to number one, they can get the quarterback they want. Everybody that's uh, in the local sports media, my number one question, over the last year, even last the year before, the offensive line has been sold to us, and then if you look at their salaries, like – this is, if not the best offensive line, one of the top five. And the last two seasons, this season was pathetic. The year before was really not that great. And truth be told, Carson Wentz sometimes saved them with his mobility. Sometimes he threw interceptions because of it. I just, do you have any understanding what happened with Quentin Nelson's level of play? Because it's not just the left tackle. There was such a drop in quality. Uh, I know he was injured two years, two seasons ago, but this year it's it's a head scratcher how much he and Ryan Kelly have fallen off. Well, and Braden Smith started the season not playing real well either. Yeah. I remember talking to Frank after he was fired here, and we were talking, just BS, and we talked about the offensive line, and he, he said they really had no answers if you get past left tackle and right guard. Because th- these are guys that, I, I guess if you forget about the, the money, but they had played at a high level. They, they had. I think Ryan Kelly dipped off a little bit at the tail end of 21 for COVID and, and personal reasons. But, uh, you know, I, I think they started playing a little bit better. Quentin did, and Kelly did, and I think Braden did. Braden had a couple of bad games late. But I, the way they all played this year was really – 
strange that they all kind of fell off at the same time. And they were already going to have issues at left tackle and right guard, which they brought on themselves. I mean, they've just they just mishandled the left tackle position going into this season. And even right guard to where there wasn't any serious competition for the starting job. So hopefully the silver lining of this past season is that Bernhard Ryman looks like he's got a chance to be the guy at left tackle. Now he, uh, you know, he had a really, really rough start, you know, primarily at Denver. And there were plays here and there that when you're a left tackle and you get beat, it's really, you know, it's obvious because you're right out there. But if they can get left tackle short up, I, I just, I've always taken the approach. You can find a right guard, you know, Hey, maybe Matt Pryor's your right guard next year. Cause he's played decent when he's been inside. But they've got to get that. And, again, if the line can, can, can snap back to where it's just pretty good. You know, last year, I thought in 21, pass protection was awful, I thought, you know, in, in large part because of Eric Fisher at left tackle. But, but, but Taylor ran for 1,800 yards. So the running game was there. And that just wasn't all, all Taylor. It, it was the offensive line. It was Jack Doyle. And they just didn't replace, you know, they, they didn't address correctly left tackle, right guard, and, and tight end. Because go back and look at how many big runs Taylor had and and Jack Doyle was springing him at the line of scrimmage. So, so many things. It, it was a perfect storm of, of offense not working last year. And it was, I wouldn't say it's historic because they've had some really bad offensive seasons. But in, in today's NFL, to not be able – to protect the quarterback, and push the ball down the field. I saw today, I didn't see the, the interview, but I saw a quote to where when Frank was, was talking with, with the Carolina media, like what went wrong in Indy with the offense, and he said uh, the, the running game and the uh, vertical passing game, well, that's all tied to the offensive line. So they, they've got to get that fixed, and if they can get that fixed and get the young quarterback in here and and giving protection and giving running game, then they've got a chance. Well, Chap, just to follow up on the offensive line, how concerning would it be if the more veterans on the line continue to regress and you're still dealing with the growing pains while you welcome in a new QB and you could be putting yourself back in the area of the early luck years when he was getting hammered and it could just kind of be a cycle all over again? Yeah, they, they, I know people get tired of Chris Ballard saying, you know, offensive line, defensive line, but that, that's, you've got to have that. I mean, we saw Joe Burrow the other day and, and all the sacks he took and has taken. That where, you know, I go back to before luck, I, I go back to when Houston took David Carr first overall and, and they, they beat the football out of him. You can do that. So, yeah, you, you've got to get that. You've got to get that fixed. And, and, and again, if I'm the team, I have to, I have to, anticipate my three cornerstones, you know, Kelly Quentin and Braden Smith playing back to where they've played. And then again, if Ryman, I know there's a lot of ifs, but then if Ryman can hold up at left tackle and you can get your right guard fixed, then you've got a good, you've got a good foundation, but they, they, they have to, you know, get back like, like, guess what we say, earning, earning your salary, which they didn't do last year. It's, it's tough to have that much money, invested in those players and them not perform well because it's once you get going into the season it's just so hard to, to, to mix and match 
they probably started eight or nine offensive line combinations this year, and and it wasn't because of injury. It was because of performance, and that's just no way to be because you cannot grow as an offense. One, you can't grow as an offense changing quarterbacks every year, and you can't grow as an offense when the offensive line doesn't run, block, or pass protect. You can't play football that way. Did you, uh, when Anthony Costanzo was here, did you realize how absolutely valuable he was? Because I watched the pass blocking the last two years, and not only has the left tackle never been able to you know, duplicate what Costanzo did, but I watched Quentin Nelson become a at best average pass blocker when someone was next to him. Ryan Kelly has been a below average pass blocker since Costanzo left. I just have never understood what Chris Ballard thought he could do when no team in the history of the NFL one because they had the most expensive guard in one of the top three paid centers and then just go totally, you know, cut rate on your left tackle. Uh, I know that's just me talking into the air, but it was me talking into the air, growing up an offensive lineman and just saying, how can you do this? And then you bring up a really important point. Jack Doyle was a excellent blocking tight end he was not much of a pass catcher at the end so then Chris Ballard decides to draft guys who maybe can catch the ball though they didn't really show much of that and had not one good blocking tight end on the roster again it was a perfect storm of things it's funny I remember when Costanza was here and uh, Quentin was making his first or second all pro whatever it was and he, he was considered and probably was their best player. And we'd always talk in the press room about who's our most indispensable player. And it's always a quarterback because because it is. But after that, to me, it was always Costanzo, where he's not your best player, but you but it's too hard to win without him. And we always thought that he, he was one of those guys that you don't really appreciate until he's gone. I thought, you know, I sort of thought the same same thing with Tariq Glenn. He never got the national attention he should have. He was really good. Costanzo wasn't that good, but he was pretty good. And they've just made two mistakes the last couple of years, the last two years on left tackle. Eric Fisher wasn't the right wasn't the right move, in part probably because of the Achilles, and he, it, it just he just had to come back too quick. I think at some point he even told us that he may have come back too quick. He ended up being a pretty good run blocker, but very, very poor in pass protection. And then they went into this year with 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 no Eric Fisher, but then with Matt Pryor. And Matt Pryor had one career start at left tackle. That was just a miscalculation. And you know, and if you've got left tackle to where it's it's reliable, then all of a sudden right guard, not you can kind of get by at right at right guard but so many things went wrong but left tackle you ju- you can hide a substandard right guard you can you cannot hide a bad left tackle people find him and they even found teams even found the right guard when they, when they when they blitzed over him or stunned around him or whatever so it was just like I said it was a perfect storm of things not working and the result was 
you know, a zillion sacks, a passing game that couldn't get the ball down the field. They turned Michael Pittman into a 9.3 yards a catch guy, which is crazy, crazy bad. And they made Jonathan Taylor look like just another guy, and he's just not another guy. He's better than that. Chap, last thing for me, just from Championship Sunday, specifically in the AFC and the game we saw between the Chiefs and the Bengals, I think everybody realizes that Burrow and Mahomes and throw in you know the rest of the young, talented quarterbacks in the AFC. It's going to be a grind to get to that type of game, the AFC Championship, for decades. And a lot of people thought entering this year that the Colts, they could have been one of those double-digit teams, including myself and a lot of people around here. But, like... What we watched on Sunday, that's what the Colts are going to need to get to. That type of quarterback play and just cohesive unit-looking ball club. So can they do it in a in that matter of time? Because, again, Mahomes and Burrow aren't going anywhere. Well, the, the Bengals did it in three years, didn't right. they? I mean, now I realize, now, it, what, what makes Indy's situation worse is everyone sits there and looks around and sees – Mahomes and Burroughs and Allen and and Herbert and and all these guys and they say, gosh, I want one of those. Well, they're just they're hard to find, and that's why everything has sort of worked against the Colts. Yes, there was probably one time was it in nineteen or in twenty twenty when after Luck retired that maybe they could have gone for the, a quarterback in the draft, but they just haven't had a lot of opportunities, and and, and that's why this year is just so critical because. You know, you've got a high draft pick, maybe number one if you trade up to get it. And you've got some guys that might be good enough. I'm not saying Burrow or Josh Allen or whatever. I, I don't know. Or Let's not forget Trevor Lawrence is in the AFC South now, too. And he looks he looks like he's gotten it together with Doug Peterson. But that, that's, why you've got to, that's why you've got to get the offense fixed. You've got to get the quarterback fixed. It'll take you probably a couple of years to get to where, you know, you're really strong, competitive in the division. But Tennessee's going to be in reboot mode. Houston's still a mess. So Jacksonville, we'll see. We, we've been down this road with Jacksonville before to where maybe this is the time. they. But now they've got the quarterback and the coach. So I think they're, they're going to be the team to beat. But you're going to have your quarter If you hit your quarterback and he's legit, you'll have him on his rookie contract for like, what, four years, fifth-year option, whatever. So you can get it done. Uh, you, you can turn things around semi-quickly, but, boy, you've got to be right on the quarterback, or then you're back doing what they've done the last four or five years, and that's nowhere to be. There is nobody who gives you more information about the Colts, has all the history, of course. Mike Chapel, Fox 59, CBS 4 Sports, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee thanks again chappy and uh go uh go hit the uh, snapchat you might feel good maybe yeah, a tiktok I'll, I'll, video i'll post a tiktok and you guys can watch it <laughs> thanks chap see you guys later wow what a day and it's still going on we got more we got 29 minutes oh Feels Are you like, exhausted yet you said no, yesterday after the show you yeah, were exhausted I, I i was exhausted yesterday today I have people to talk to more. People Correct. I know. Uh, I just get so excited to make people feel entertainment. That's what I've done for a living for so long. I lose track of time, as Jimmy knows. 
Uh, but just a pure delight to go in the city that I love. No one promotes Indianapolis when they're on the road more than me. Not John Mellencamp, not Larry Bird, not David Letterman, way more famous. I'm out there like I'm Leonard Hoops working for Visit Indy. That's what I do. Come to Indy, have a convention. There's sun here. Don't look at the temperature. The sun is out, the sun yeah, is out and you're the mayor, so you're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm going to work on the potholes, come back with us soon, right? There's a break. You can do it. Nope. Don't feel like I can. All right, Jimmy, let's go to break. Brendan King here with Scott Long, or Scott Long with Brendan King. I don't know how we do it. You're but always I, first. Yeah, I would just share with You're you. You're more right famous now, than me. That song, not in South Bend. <laughs> uh, I will say that song by Outkast, I think goes across generations better than almost any song. I really feel like it does. I mean, it's kind of in the sweet spot, early 2000s, of a lot of different age groups. Uh, my friend, co-host, All Indiana Bets, Jason Hammer, I guess he's got a show I don't listen to. But we, he is a DJ, too. He yeah, did. I was just about to ask you. Yeah, he used to do weddings. And, well, I was just about to ask, what's your favorite wedding song? It's definitely not the chicken dance. Or... I've never had the chicken dance at a wedding. Really? Well, no. Uh, you... Jimmy, you said you had You're a DJ. You're from Chicago. Your... You, you had a we DJ. did have a DJ. You did have a DJ? What, yes. was, what was the best song? That... I mean, that, you know, you get the classics. I have one in my mind. You, you, I mean, you had the classics of, of any wedding that, I know this is a cliche one, but the Cupid Shuffle played, of course. Cupid, you know, like Cupid that's, Shuffle that's is a good wedding one. or any almost event with dancing that's gonna Listen, play at some point in time when mr brightside comes on at a wedding you gotta scream that. oh yeah um the, the killers to uh, uh, i skew a little older in the generational thing in this room best band in the world the and killers. if you not no currently if you were gonna go see a live show i see a lot of different live shows i have 14 year olds i'm taking my 14 year old daughter to either Columbus, Ohio, or St. Louis. They're not going to be here this year. And we are going in March to the Killers. Uh, that's why, like, people will, they're certain ages, they'll, like, make fun of the Killers, or they'll make fun of um, uh, different rock bands. And Nickelback. Have, well, that's a different thing. I'm just saying, I think, you know, more modern music that younger people would actually listen to that actually have... Uh, Imagine Dragons, things that have some elements of rock and roll music to it. And yeah. older people are like, that's crap. No, it's not. It's something I can actually listen to in the car instead of Drake. You can't listen to Nickelback? My kids don't like Nickelback. Mm. And I don't particularly like them. I like uh, some other bands that sound like it. I think I'd rather hear Chris Daughtry or Daughtry sing than I would the Nickelback Who, guy. Who's worse, Nickelback or Creed? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, two best songs of Creed are really hard to deny. Maybe oh, as a- I, I would if you're at a bar and, and yeah. something by Nickelback or Creed comes on, people, everybody's singing it. People could say, "Oh no, that's crap." Everybody's gonna sing it. Eyes wide open. Yeah, you feel like you're in Titanic. Like you got to pull your hands out because in the video, the guy used to sing uh, that. Uh, uh, yeah, I would go Creed, but boy, this is not something I'm really proud of. I'd rather listen to Pearl Jam, because that All is right. Creed. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if a Nickelback song comes on in a bar, you are out of your mind if, if you're not singing along to it. Rockstar. 
That's what I'm saying. That's about it. Saving me? No. Yes. No, I, I don't. I don't really care. Rock, rock, rock stars. Rock stars. The one. To that's your point, the one. The, 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 yeah. Plays bar and you're gonna get a bunch of. People it, it's, a, a great it's a bunch time. of drunk people. Yeah, no, but, that, but that's I'll the one. It's that's a bunch of drunk people. That's the one. If you but like, if you, I'd li- love to have a song that a bunch of drunk people. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I'm not yes. it. I'm just saying that's the one. I look. I like uh, Nickelback. Okay, I'm not the hater group, but if you like Nickelback or even love them, listen to Shine Down. They are like way <laughs> better. They are way better. It's like if you like if you love Tool, I get it. I like Tool. That's a good band. But if you want to know, that's a mood thing. You got to be able to willing to sit through an 11-minute song. I'll put on Chevelle right out of Chicago, and they're going to make the three-and-a-half-minute version of Tool. So I have to admit, sometimes not the originator is always the best. I'm sorry I didn't include you. What's your favorite wedding song? Well, to clarify, that wasn't my favorite wedding song. You right. Just asked what was the I have to think the Cupid Shuffle second. was. Yeah, that's not. Was it? That was not my submission. Okay, so what's your answer? If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, Jimmy. I just want to clarify that on the record. That's not my. <laughs> that's really all I cared about. Like, don't be wrong. I dance to it. It's 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 it, it. I embrace it, but it's not my my go to. Well, I'm just gonna always go with whatever the song is that the dad and the bride are dancing to, because that is tears moment right there. Yeah. Okay, and I know that's not a specific song. So you're I, saying that's the next time you're going to cry? <sighs> I, I cried listening to the replay of this yesterday at moments <laughs> where I'm like, cool, pull it back there, man. Engine run a little too hot. Think about how I'm going to feel about the times that I did today when Jimmy yelled at me t- 100% legitimately <laughs> as well. I'm learning. I learn from all generations. I'm not one of those people that's like, I can't learn from anybody who's younger than me. I want to learn. It, I want to learn. I'm here to learn. It hurt me more than it hurt you, just so you know. And it's I believe that. To me that be, you know that. No, I do. And if you knew Jimmy, genuine this, guy genuine guy respectful of people he just like he is such a good dude i mean that's why it's been important for you to be here brendan that's not because i'm a bad guy no (laughs) uh not a good guy though either you're somewhere in the middle (laughs) purgatory that could be a way to look at it so i brought up yesterday will lebron james play is that thursday night thursday Thursday night. Jimmy might be going to that. Brendan, you're not going to it, right? I have a game on Thursday. Yeah. Who is that? Huh? Who is that? Doing a high school game for Rick. I'm not going to that either, by the way. What game is that? Do you know yet? Uh, Well, he said he'd have to get back to me on who exactly it is. Anyway. Right. There's a lot of talk that LeBron, who's battling a lot of ankle problems, he's been playing through it. Of course, uh, you know, he's going to play, try against the play against the Knicks and MSG tonight. Will that Thursday game, I once again, I want to bring back the vision of that divorced dad who's trying to match that guy that his ex-wife married, his son lives with, and it, he's got all the money, and this guy's a hard-working fella, and this was his big chance. His son loves LeBron. He got him the cut-rake jersey from, from China, but it's still a good jersey. It still says James on it. Maybe the print doesn't quite work. Maybe it's a little ill-fitting. Are you recalling a personal experience? No, but I've been there in, in a way, even though I've been uh, with my way, wife. Hold on. Breaking news. This is from our good friend Tucker Barnhart of the Chicago Cubs. 
Hmm. Text rolling in. Tucker Barnhart says, Simple Man by Shinedown is 10 times better than the Skinnerd version. Five times. <laughs> Five times. That's like, go oh, 10. That's, that's a little <laughs> hyperbole there. But you're right. Shinedown is a great band, and they sound a lot like Nickelback, but somehow I love me some Shinedown. Don't really love me Nickelback. What does that mean? I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't mean to bring up past wounds, but I just wanted to... Get no, that's that's talks input because possibly the best input we've had today. I felt really like great about what we've heard, learned from Chris Hagen, Bob Kravitz, Sean Morris, Mike Chapel. Great we've, show, but yeah, uh, Tucker Barnard. Yeah, Tucker, thanks, man. Music. I will. See, by the way, Tucker, since you're listening, I will see you in March at Spring Training. Let's do it. Oh, I like that. Love too. it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to your LeBron, yeah, LeBron jersey. I just, man. I hope he plays for all those people that spent, you know, seven hundred dollars to see the LeBron game when that ticket's you know thirty yeah, bucks. Otherwise, the cheapest ticket is a hundred. I was looking on ESPN. The cheapest ticket is one hundred thirty bucks. Yeah, but that is just like you can't see LeBron. You you don't want to try if you if you're that divorced dad and you're trying to impress <laughs> your son with that hundred and thirty dollar ticket. You you got to think twice. You're gonna have a hard time. That that stepdad is with your son, you know, t- eleven days out of fourteen. You're getting him two or three. Make that happen. Figure it out. You you're just do that. you are speaking to the volumes of Indianapolis divorce dads. I see them. The I see them. Can, can I give a piece of advice to to me? No, to the to the divorce dads in this. Go scenario. ahead. I love them. Okay. Real quick. Let let's be real to start the time with the child and explain, hey, listen, I want us to go to this game. LeBron might be there. But, might is but, the, but, is oh, the no, but don't buy them two weeks. Like, you're not, there's no cost yeah. saving. Like, wait until, oh, there's on the secondary market. That's probably where you're going to buy them from anyway. Wait until, not maybe not game day. You can, there's an app for that now, game time. They're not a sponsor, but yeah. they do that whole spiel. You can buy them on game day. Soon to be sponsor wait, of Jimmy Cook. But wait, don't buy them two weeks in advance because this isn't new. This has been happening for seven years. I'm not like I'm not trying to take away blame from the players and the teams, but I am to an extent saying this isn't like a, oh man, this has never happened before. It, there's a long precedent of players saying, "Eh, we don't care about your families. We care about our health. Don't buy them two weeks out. Say, hey, son, I want us to go to the Lakers game. LeBron's going to be there against the Pacers. I'm not buying the ticket yet, though, because you know, he might not play. That's great advice. I mean, that's great not advice. just good advice. Jimmy. That is Jimmy. great advice. Thank you. I don't even want to talk after that. I just want to <laughs> soak that in. I want to say uh, we're here in the drivehubler.com studios learning so much. Young and old coming together. Dogs and cats <laughs> the in the streets. Yang. It's like the black and white cookie on Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So uh, I know you're not going to go anywhere. We have Jimmy's picks coming up. Or is that correct? What do we call? <laughs> we those? didn't even tell. We for full transparency, we didn't even tell Scott that tonight. Well uh, done. I nice hope you job, have some Scott. picks, and I want to find out if you actually won them yesterday. So uh, tune in. Uh, we are successful in both Scott Long and I both having Jimmy Cook upset at us today. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel good in a way. Yeah. Cuz he's on that he's on that side, we're on this side, but Jimmy will be with Scott. I cannot uh, wait. On Thursday. Thursday. I almost so showed it's the your power. opportunity. It's your opportunity to really I just showed the power of this side of the board. That's, that's what I wanted to do there. 
Ooh. Thanks, Jimmy. It's <laughs> your <laughs> offer. No, I was actually about to give you props, but I'm not you going to do that now. anymore. You can take him away now. It, it's, your, <laughs> it's your opportunity to roast him back on Thursday. Well, think about when you're a stand-up comedian. It's the 107.5 The Fan Roast of Scott Lung on yeah. Thursday night. Oh, I'm not, I don't want any part of that. Uh, when you're a comedian, the sound guy like can be problematic for you because they're all the way in the back of the room. That's usually where the sound booth is. Yeah. I was doing an open mic early in my career. The guy... Uh, was being a jerk. He thought he was funny. Started playing crickets <laughs> after one of my jokes, which were brand new. You know, Oof. like, hey, there are people, you know, when Bill Burr goes out or Chris Rock, they're working on new jokes. They don't all hit. So I'm working on this one. He plays crickets. My comment was, there's something to learn. Never sleep with the sound guy's girlfriend. <laughs> and... Uh, Jimmy, can you go to your bets, please? Yeah, let's go to your bets. How'd you do last night, Jimmy? The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, all focused on one game and one game only. It's IU and Maryland. We're taking the Hoosiers, one of the money line on the road against Maryland. Also going to take Trace Jackson Davis over 19.5 total points. To answer your question, Scott, 1-1 one and one yesterday. The Warriors were our friends. The Timberwolves let us down. 1-1 one one on the week. Plays on Twitter at the Jay Cook. Gentlemen, how'd you do yesterday? Um, First, what's the spread of that IU game? Do you know? It's plus three to Indiana. They're giving Indiana three yeah. points? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Brandon Saad did not score last night. I continue to be cold, and it is the NHL All-Star break coming at the perfect time because I suck. Go ahead. I uh, lost by one point when a freshman point guard from Baylor decides <laughs> yeah. to take a 30-foot jumper. Uh, personally, then, I also played Iowa State on the money line, who was up 23 points. I am not the cooler, though. Today, tonight, 9 p.m., ESPNU TCU minus one and a half versus West Virginia at home. That's all. Now, point guard Mike Miles is out. TCU did lose to Mississippi State. West Virginia somehow beat Auburn. Yeah. So crazy That's part town. of the crazy Saturday where eight yeah. ranked teams lost. TCU is a, I believe, one of the top 10 teams in the country. West Virginia is a bottom feeder in the Big 12. Love TCU. It's Horn Frog year, as long as it's not the. Uh, national championship football game. It's the year of the Horn Frog. The Horn Frog year, I call it. The no, no. What what is it in the uh, Chinese calendar? Is it the year of the rabbit? There's a rabbit. There's. Well, a, I, know, I think it's the rabbit. Snake. This year. Yeah, my, I always made fun of my dad because on the Chinese calendar he was a rat. <laughs> <laughs> that was. If you want a little insight on what kind of son our Brendan King was, looking for oh. ways to jab his dad. Great son. Okay, I believe that. I do. <laughs> well, well, I, I feel like all of us in this room are. Even Josh Molinex, who is producing JMV coming up at the, the top rabbit, of the hour. By the way, man, that is a what great was that? show. It is the rabbit, by the way. It, I'm telling you, man. I just I know the dynamite. It. You know your Chinese. Uh, <laughs> I, I know my calendar. Chinese calendar. <laughs> Next time when someone says, "What's your opinions of Brendan King?" Well, he knows his Chinese calendar. No, not not a lot of people people could probably say that. No. No one would really want to. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't I feel even like know if that's one, a humble brag or not. I, I feel like it's one of those things that like in, no one even China even cares about. You know, it's one of those things that America has taken. Like, well, where's my uh, fortune cookie when you go to China? And they're like, we don't give out fortune cookies. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's one of those American things. That's like a chimichanga. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, yeah, it's like fettuccine Alfredo. 
Yeah, they don't serve that there. No, you're not getting Alfredo sauce in in Italy. Mm. Why would you? That's why I don't want to go. <laughs> you know, I am not authentically Italian like uh, Izzy. Izzy. Yeah, that's good. That's what happened in Chicago. If you he was here, I, Isa or some in Indiana. They wouldn't even well, pronounce it right. My grandfather, um, who is again still kicking it, he's ninety two. He's awesome. awesome. Yeah, he's the best. Uh he 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 had to Americanize his name twice. Because Ooh. his his name is Philadeo. Okay. He got to the United he got to Ellis Island, they made him Felix. And then he got to Chicago and they made him Phil. He worked in the steel mill for thirty years. Love that story. Yeah. He's just grandpa Phil now. But Love that guy. Philadeo, oh man, he's he's the best. What's your nationalities? Uh, like uh, Irish McDermott is my uh, the the one side. My uh, grandfather, Irish Catholic, uh, total alcoholic, but a great guy. <laughs> he was a terrible farmer, but he was very he good. Grew potatoes. It's Iowa, so it's corn. Yeah. Oh, corn. Okay. He's not from Idaho. Come on, Chicago. I did live in Idaho. Okay, that was a different thing. Uh, I was surrounded by potatoes. No, it's you don't grow potatoes here. That what I would tell terrible farmer. People think you know you're born into farming. He wasn't. His dad gave him the farm and he bought the farm. And basically, it was not worth doing. So he became what he loved. He became a bartender manager at the Elks Club. <laughs> there, there it is. All yeah, right, Scott Irish Long. Catholic. Scott Long. Sixty seconds. You reflect on your second day on the Fan Midday Show. How was it? Uh, there were really solid moments. And uh, some really cringy moments. Uh, and if you don't like that, that's, uh, sorry, that's what I do. I bring you high points and some low points. I want the audience to always feel better about me. I told my kids they cannot watch HGTV because they cannot live in that life. If you want to watch a home show, watch Hoarders. <laughs> then you'll feel better about your life. I am the Hoarders of sports. Uh, Scott Long will be back on Thursday afternoon with Can't the wait. one and only Jimmy Cook. Hey, man, it's been a blast. Thanks for hanging with me Thank the you, last buddy. couple of days. It's been awesome. Thanks to Jimmy Cook. Josh Molinex is coming up next with JMV. They've got you covered until 6. I believe, Jimmy, it's me and you tomorrow and then also Friday. So looking forward to that, brother. Be a blast. And me and Scott, you mentioned on Thursday. Can't wait. Brendan King, Scott Long, Jimmy Cook. Thanks for hanging with us. Noon to 3, Fan Midday Show. John's next.